All right, welcome. Share this out, share this out, share this out. It's Friday night. The law of one, right? Way to go, people. Way to go, way to go, right? Rock on. Friday night, the law of one. Hold on, let me switch cameras here so you can see me. There we go. There I am. Namaste. I'm looking at two monitors over here. So I am over here and I'm over there. So, and I'm here on another monitor, right? My phone, using that as another monitor. So I'm playing stuff over here on my Apple instead of on my base because the stuff plays better on my Apple for StreamYard for some reason than it does on my base. I think it's because the processor speeds faster over here. So I'm using that and using this to, to look at because it's a bigger screen. I can sit here and read along, but I can still talk to you guys over here with this microphone on. So welcome. It's Friday night, right? I love one. So um, we're going to be picking up where we left off last week, and I am monitoring both chats. I'm live for the first time for the Law of One on Facebook and YouTube, right? So those of you who are watching this on YouTube, you can actually make comments as well. I was I said I was going to transition, uh, and I have. Uh, I hadn't. It didn't work out the kink so that I could play stuff on just the one computer, but I was working it out when I was doing it. If you saw my um, Earth Day show, then you guys realized that I, that I was doing the same thing to play videos. I was playing them on my Mac over here and then running the show on my PC. So I have my PC up and I have myself in the green room. Uh, and if anything happens to this, because this thing got weird a couple of times and froze, if that happens, I'll just turn my camera back on over here and just continue. Uh, and I do have the Law of One uh, prompted. I just have to jump on there. But if not, we'll just run it off here because it seems to work better and more clear. All right. So hi, you guys out there. I'm looking at the chat. I guess I can look at the one down here so it doesn't look like I'm looking too far away, right? Reese is out there. Reese, welcome, right? Namaste. Uh, Tony Jackson, right? Rock on. I was just thinking that I might let me put this up on the screen. For those of you who are watching this on the MP4 broadcast, you'll be able to see stuff like this when I put it up on the screen. Those of you on the MP3 broadcast, you won't be able to obviously see this. You'll just have to see me reading it, right? So I was just thinking I might look up a, a spiritual video to watch, right? And ta-da, right? <laughs> Synchronicity, that's what happens. When people will tell me that all the time when they go, I was, you know, I was trying to figure something out in my life and I put that out to the universe, right? And Jacqueline, uh, namaste, welcome, welcome, sister. Um, <clears throat> she's over there in the on YouTube uh, watching. Um, she said namaste, gave us some, give us some rainbows here, right? Woohoo, rock on. So, but that's what happens, Tony. That's what happens. I have so many people who will say that. They'll say, I was trying to figure something out, or I had something I was working through in my life, and I was like, okay, what's going on? And I turned on. There's, there's all of a sudden, there's me doing the law of one, and it, the episode pertains to what they're dealing with. I'm like, I don't plan this stuff. The universe does. It just happens the way it falls. And it, if it resonates with you, it resonates with you, right? So, you know, spot on, right? So that's cool that, that you ended up here. So, uh, Angie, welcome. Welcome. Uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm out in California. I'm in, I'm in the state capital, Sacramento, actually. I'm, I'm a suburb of Sacramento. I'm in Carmichael, which is surrounded by Sacramento and three sides, three of the four sides of the town. Uh, literally, if I go north, uh, that's Sacramento, south of Sacramento, west of Sacramento. Just if I go east, it goes to another city. <clears throat> so uh, so welcome, right? <clears throat> Let me know where you guys are at because I know I have you know people who tune into Facebook and YouTube from all around the world. But I, I can't – they don't have that in their analytics. I can't go there and see where everybody's from. My MP3 broadcasts, uh, the, when I broadcast this on the podcast, um, I can find out what state you guys are in, what city you guys are in, what country you guys are in right? What nationality you are. So I just punch on all that. It tells me where everybody is and what percentage uh, But Facebook and YouTube are kind of behind the times. They don't give us that information as far as what country. So, uh, you know, love to hear you guys tell us, you know, where you're at in the world. Uh, and I don't do that very often when I'm on here doing this because I know I can't check, right? So I have to say that. So I got used to saying that. Tell me where you're at in the world so I can say hello, right? So, <clears throat> 
So, so you know, uh, Lenore says, "Good day, mate." Uh, obviously, that, that's either it's either the UK or down under, right? <laughs> <G'day>, mate. <laughs> it's, that's definitely. Oh, it could be South African too, right? Because South Africans are are uh, a lot of them are British or, or uh, uh, stuff like that. So that, that's kind of cool. All right. So, law of one. In case you didn't read the description, right? Um, oh, wait, oh, see now. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading the chat now. Tony's saying hello to everybody. In case you guys didn't read the description, I'd like to go through this. Uh, I'll be doing this again. We have an upcoming event coming up on the 22nd. I don't know if you've seen the the uh, memes out there yet for for it, but we're doing another spiritual uh, show a whole day. It's going to be 10 a.m. All these times are uh, West Coast America or West Coast North Northern uh, North American continent or uh, GMT minus seven. So it'll be uh, 10 p.m. Sorry, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. my time. Uh, and that will be on the 22nd of May. And we have, uh, I'll put the meme up. I'll try and get it into the description. Uh, I'll punch it up there. It's going to be a really, really cool show that we're putting together on spiritualism again. Uh, and this one's going to be called NUMA, The Awakening. So it's really, really cool. And it's all going to be about like waking up and, and uh, we're going to be talking to like a full spectrum range of, of uh, a spiritualist. So if you're if you're just a, a teeny newbie and you don't know much, you're going to still get a resonation of what's going to happen. And those of you who are ready to wake or are already woke or are all awake, I hate to say woke because that sounds like that Hollywood crap that's not. Right. That sounds like that political wokeness, the Hollywood wokeness, which most of those people have their heads so far up their butts. They can smell the food they ate yesterday and taste it. They think they're awake. They're awake about as much as Whistler's mother is still alive. Right. <laughs> OK, so um, the date uh, is. Just, oh, oh, what date? The 22nd of May, May 22nd coming up this month. And it's going to be a full day event, uh, 10, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. West Coast, North America time. Uh, and it's going to have it has a really good lineup. Jacqueline, who's in the audience, she's going to be in the in, in that lineup uh, as well. She's going to be there speaking. I'm going to be speaking. Uh, and if you guys saw our Earth Day uh, performance that we put on last month, uh, you're going to see some of the same speakers that are going to be back, and then uh, a couple that are, that you've never uh, seen before. So it's going to be really good. <clears throat> Michael Feely's returning. So those of you who are a fan of his, uh, he'll be on. He's and I, I don't know exactly what everybody's doing yet. And they know the theme, and I haven't uh, sat down and I set the conference, I set the dates, I set the lineup, but I haven't found out exactly what all of my speakers are going to talk about. So once we get that hammered out, I'll put that in a meme as well, and we'll shoot that out to you guys so you know what's going on. Okay, so between 1981 and 1984, there was a group calling themselves the LL Research Group, and they were using channeling, which is a form of ESP, and they were trying to reach out to the universe to see if there was anybody out there besides us on this planet and they reached someone <clears throat> and they were when they were channeling that someone said we are raw and you know immediately dawn the questioner said well we have a raw here in history you know what is that you and they said yes we are raw we walked among your people and we built your pyramids so that spawned 106 uh, uh, channeling sessions between 30 and 45 minutes in length uh, and they made six books out of it, and I've read all six of those, and, I'm, and I've been covering them every Friday night for the last two and a half years, and we're now on 97, question nine. Session 97, question nine is where we're going to start. Uh, and I will continue doing it until we're done with all 106 sessions. We should probably finish by the end of this year, depending on how, because sometimes it takes a lot to unpack. We're, we're on session 97, and I only got nine questions in, right? And here we are on a second session. So it depends on how much there is to unpack in each 
session. And that's why I've, I've dedicated so much time because if you just read it on the, uh, you know, on the surface, you're not going to, there's a lot of stuff that people miss, especially the way Raw speaks. And you'll see that when I, when I start playing the video here. Uh, so in fact, let me start working on that and let me, uh, share my screen. Let me unshare this one. No, no, that's not what I want to do. Sorry, guys. I want to get rid of this. <clears throat> and I want to share my screen here, and then we'll go over here and go into full screen. If I can find the window that is, in fact, open. Why is it not showing that it's open? Oh, there it is. My bad. Okay. So... I'll go into full screen over here so you guys can see it on your screen in full screen, right? And I'll also go full screen on that video so that I'm not in the way of you guys seeing it. There we go. And I'll go ahead and start. So, um, you know, I've already wasted about 10 minutes. I always end up wasting about 10 minutes, right? I am going to be we'll watching the chat. So if you guys have questions, I will pause for you uh, and, and then answer the questions, okay? So here we go. Let's continue right here with uh, Law of One. Uh, session 97, uh, question number, we're going to start with question number seven, uh, and let's continue, right? So here we go. Question 97.7. Questioner, I find myself presently in a difficult position of decision, primarily because of the appearance of the aforementioned hawk upon our return from Atlanta. The only objective of any value at all is the work that we are doing, which includes not only the contact, but communication and dissemination of this material to those who might request it. Since See, looking at the chat, Reese, you might be right. You said, G'day, mate, you thought was in, was Australian only. You might be right, but some of us Americans say it uh, too, because we're just kind of picking up the slang. Uh, so, we, But I think it originated there. I know it originated there. So you can say it far more than anyone else does. But some people uh, say that a bit uh, here in America and we just because we pick up on slang. That's, uh, our language is slang. We wouldn't have it if it wasn't for uh, other languages and their slang, right? So, so, all right, brother. The move was connected with that. And since the hawk was, to me, obviously a function of that process, I am presently in a quandary with respect to the optimal situation since I have not yet definitely decided on the significance of the hawk or the advantages or the efficaciousness of the move and do not want to create any process which is basically irreversible if it is going to result in a lack of our ability to be of service to those who would seek that which we are able to manifest in our efforts. Would Ra comment on that situation? Answer, I am Ra. The questioner presumes much, and to comment is an infringement upon its free will. We may suggest the pondering of our previous comments regarding the winged creatures of which you speak. We repeat that any place of working, properly prepared by this group, is acceptable to our. The discrimination of choice is yours. Question 97.8 Questioner, are there any items in the first four cards not of Ra's intention that we could remove to present a less confusing card as we make our new drawings? Answer, I am Ra. We find much material in this query which would constitute repetition. May we suggest rephrasing the query? Question 97.9 Questioner, possibly I didn't phrase that the way I meant to. We had already determined the items that should be removed from the first four cards and my question was, had I missed anything that should be removed that was not of Ra's original intention? Answer, I am Ra. We shall repeat our opinion that there are several concepts which, in each image, are astrologically based. However, these concepts are not without merit within the concept complex intended by Ra, given the perception. 
Yes, Melissa, basically not. Don't repeat the question. Right? It's funny how Raw communicates sometimes when, when they'll say no or we have covered this previously, right? So I, I love that. And I love when you guys make comments about it because I, I just like giggle, right? But I, I try to keep my, my microphone muted at the time so you guys don't hear it. But sometimes I forget and I giggle. But yeah, that right. And that's unfortunate because Don does that quite a bit. He'll ask a question that's that's uh, similar to the one that he asked before. And Raw's like, um, we we got that right we already we already covered that so i you know what i'm not surprised that you got it right i mean everybody has a, a level of understanding and the more you listen to this even with this video that's being played with the english accent um if you're not you know if you're not uh, uh, someone who's really um uh easily hearing in english accent uh you know a lot of times uh, you know people uh, have a problem with that right but yeah julie says i love snarky raw i do too i do i, I love that that's like a it's like being Sheldon. They're so intelligent. They're also they're super intelligent, and they're you know and they're like yes, or you know could you elude on that? Yes, but they don't. And here on Earth, that implies would you please? But we don't ask the question, and they make they make Don then ask the question, could you please? <laughs> and I love that. It's very snarky, and I love it. Exception by the student of these concepts in an appropriate manner. We wish not to form that which may be considered by any mind, body, spirit complex to be a complete and infallible series of images. There is a substantial point to be made in this regard. We have been, with the questioner's aid, investigating the concept complexes of the great architecture of the archetypical mind. To more clearly grasp the nature, the process, and the purpose of archetypes, Ra provided a series of concept complexes. In no way whatsoever should we, as humble messengers of the one infinite creator, wish to place before the consideration of any mind, body, spirit complex which seeks its evolution the palest tint of the idea that these images are anything but a resource for working in the area of the development of the faith and the will. To put this into perspective we must gaze then at the stunning mystery of the one infinite creator. The archetypical mind does not resolve any paradoxes or bring all into unity. This is not the property of any source which is of the third density. Therefore, may we ask the student to look up from inward working and behold the glory, the might, the majesty, the mystery, and the peace of oneness. Let no consideration of bird or beast, darkness or light, shape or shadow keep any which seeks from the central consideration of unity. We are not messengers of the complex. We bring the message of unity. In this perspective only may we affirm the value to the seeker of agapur of the grasping, articulating, and use of this resource of the deep mind exemplified by the concept complex of the archetypes. <clears throat> See, a lot of what Don, I, I can tell by Don's questions that he's, he, he's either an atheist or he doesn't know much about spiritualism or, or spirituality. And he's a typical, um, you know, um, academic scientist. And I get that. Unfortunately, that's why they can't figure anything out. That's why I left that field, <clears throat> and I don't help them any longer. Because they, you know, if you if you don't have any belief system in a higher anything, higher consciousness, you will never figure out the universe because that is exactly ninety percent of the universe. So they they only have that law that ten percent they can play with. And they keep hitting a wall and they keep going, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. And then people say, well, you have to believe in God. No, they say no. And they're never going to figure it out. And I feel sorry for them. But then in the same sense, once you get to a certain place in your spirituality, you don't feel sorry for children anymore because they're just only learning. 
right? So you don't feel bad for someone who doesn't have knowledge. You only feel bad for them if they continue to deny knowledge, right? And that's kind of what happens with scientists is they're very, very super intelligent. In the same sense, they're, they're dumb as a stump because they deny 90% of what the universe actually is. Most people do, but that was taken from us. It wasn't our fault. When you have the choice and you have the tools right in front of you and you're a scientist and you refuse to believe that because it has to be tangible, it has to be something I can record, it has to be something that I can look at, touch, taste, and, and feel, uh, and there, there can't be any God involved. And as soon as you do, they take away 90% of the universe. And I look at them and go, okay, so um, you know, have a nice life. In the end, you're going to be like Frederick Nietzsche when he figured out philosophy, he said it was a complete waste of my life. If you're a if you're a philosophic mind uh, set person or or someone who's into philosophy, plug your ears and run for your life because you'll never uh, find out all the answers because it just poses more questions. And I wish I was alive to tell him that's life, that's everything. You never get to the end of it, and they go, "Congratulations, you've learned everything there is to learn about or in the universe." It's like the the uh, internet; you're never going to get to the end of it. Congratulations, you learned it all. When you do that, you are the one, and the one is not done learning. And hence, all of us having as many and infinite experiences as we possibly can. So, even the one true Creator is not complete in the Creator's mind. Do you understand? So it's, so you're chasing a ghost that you can never, ever, ever catch. Because even if you ascend back to become the one with the one and be oneness again, you're still going to be looking elsewhere for more experiences and different scenarios because it's infinite. Right? So, so that's just crazy to think about that. Right? So that's why you have to look at scientists and, and say, okay, you've made your choice. Someday in a few lifetimes, you'll stop doing this. And if you don't, I'll see you in about a million years when the rest of us are, you know, waiting for you to catch up at some point. Right. Question 97.10. Question. Oh, right. Right. Let me put that up on the screen, Kevin. Good. Right. Yeah. There you go. Right. <laughs> George Bernard Shaw said youth is wasted on the youth. Absolutely. Absolutely. On, on the youth. Absolutely. And because it's true. I mean, if you think about it, when we were young, Kevin, right. We, we thought we knew everything, but we had our heads so far up our butt, we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know that. I thought I knew everything in my 20s. And one day I woke up halfway through my 30s, realized I didn't know anything. <laughs> right? So, I mean, that's just, that's just it, right? Experience is beautiful, Melissa. Yes, thank you. Right? I'm putting that up on the screen. Those of you who are watching on the MP3 podcast, you can't see that. But experience is beautiful. Life is beautiful. Uh, it's, like, it's like philosophy, truthfully. You know, if you go to philosophy 101 and you have a good uh, teacher, they'll tell you that that word is a Greek word and it means the love of knowledge or the knowledge of love. And I believe that that's the same in spirituality. It's the love of knowledge or the knowledge of love. The word logos literally means love. So the word that created the universe, the charm of making is love. And they're realizing that now. Even Moljizedek realized that back in 2012. With the, working with scientists, he was getting onto it already himself. And then they had scientists that were actually from the governments, the governmental systems that were actually going, okay, we need to work with some of these French people, but don't tell anybody uh, around the world that we're working with these outsider fringe people that have to do with spirituality uh, because we have to figure it out. So some people got brave uh, and you can watch videos, uh, you know, uh, uh, Drunval Mochizadek 
And um, he's, I, I believe he's still in, uh, someone says he's in um, Sedona, Arizona, but I don't know where he is, but he's gone. He did the same thing I did. He went, I'm not helping these people anymore. I'm going to help the people. And so he's not working with scientists anymore. And he's working with people, you, me, and anybody he can uh, work with uh, to help people like I'm doing. I was going to work with them. And, and I quit working with them when I was in my 20s. Uh, I was like, I'm not going to help them. If you do, if you give them anything, they try to weaponize it. So Therefore, we need to put this into the hands of people who are wise enough, and the people who learn it are wise enough not to, unless they are government bureaucrats or military or secret service. <clears throat> and then they get greedy, and they're uh, doing a job. Most of the time, they are greedy people. So I don't want to get too involved in politics, but it encompasses everything. All right, let's continue. Thank you. Card number five, the significator of the mind, indicates, firstly, as I see it, simply a male within a rectangularly structured form which suggests to me that the significator of the mind in third density is well bounded within the illusion, as is also suggested by the fact that the base of the male is a rectangular form showing no ability for movement. Would Ra comment on that? Answer, I am Ra. Oh student, you have grasped the barest essence of the nature of the significator's complete envelopment within the rectangle. Consider for the self, oh student, whether your thoughts can walk. The abilities of the most finely honed mentality shall not be known without the use of the physical vehicle which you call the body. Through the mouth the mind may speak. Through the limbs the mind may affect action. So they're, they're back to talking about the tarot deck and the tarot cards, so they're on to the fifth card. Uh, and, you know, Ra's uh, uh, trying to explain it. <clears throat> Don's trying to figure it out and make sure that he has the right uh, cards with the right stuff on them. And he's still trying to figure out what everyone means. And he keeps asking wrong. He's not grasping the concept that the cards are open for interpretation. The cards are there for many different types of divination. And, and all of you out there who do card reads, you, the card reads, you understand what I'm saying. If you've ever worked with cards or any deck or any kind, they, they're completely different in their tools. And they all, they mean many, many, many different things. If you're working on yourself, they mean different than when you're working on someone else, right? So if you're working on your own spirituality, you're going to get different things from each card than if someone's asking you for a read and has a question for you to answer. It's going to be different depending on that. And it's obvious that Don has no knowledge of that. Otherwise, he would already know some of what he's asking. So he's never done card reads or uh, asked someone who does card reads, which I'm surprised because Carla seemed a little bit more open uh, and so I think she had more Wiccan pagan um, um, background. You know what I mean? <clears throat> However, I don't know for certain because I've uh, I've never really spoken with her um, personally. So, and she's passed on now. So, all right, let's continue. Question 97.11. Questioner, the entity looks to the left, indicating that the mind has the tendency to notice more easily catalyst of a negative essence. Would Ra comment on that observation? Answer, I am Ra. This is substantially correct. Que See, there he's getting snarky again. And thank you, Melissa. She said, I'm glad that you did not. Um, we're talking about when I was, you know, working with the, you know, for those people. But yeah, it's not why I came here. And, you know, when you're young, you're just trying to get ahead and you're thinking about money. And, you know, I mean, they tried to recruit me to go into the Air Force at 11. And they hounded me until I was 24, and that's when I said no to them. And also at that point, being in college, doing physics and, and philosophy in college, I then at that point realized, you know, that I was 
more awake than I thought and I was figuring things out and I already understood a lot of what was happening in the universe and I said, there's no way I can help these people. They're the reason we're in this problem. We're in this trouble. So they're, we're in trouble because of the rich elites who think they own this place. So I can't have them who are running the governments be my boss. So I was done with that. All right, let's go. Question 97.12. Questioner, there are two small entities at the bottom, one black and one white. I will first ask Ra if this drawing is correct in the coloring. Is the black one in the proper position with respect to Ra's original drawings? Answer, I am Ra. That which you perceive as black was first red. Other than this difference, the beings in the concept complex are placed correctly. Question 97.13 Questioner, the red coloration is a mystery to me. We had originally decided that these represented the polarization of the mind. Would Ra comment on that? Answer, I am Ra. The indications of polarity are as presumed by the questioner. The symbolism of old for the left-hand path was the russet coloration. We shall pause at this time if the questioner will be patient. There are fairly serious difficulties with the instrument's throat. We shall attempt to ameliorate the situation and suggest the rewalking of the circle of one. The circle of one was rewalked and prefix spelt two feet above the instrument's head. Question 97.14 answer. I am Ra. Please continue. Question 97.15. Questioner, what was the nature of the problem? Answer, I am Ra. The fifth density entity which greets this instrument affected a previous difficulty distorting the throat and chest area of the instrument. Some fraction of this distortion remained unmentioned by the instrument. It is helpful if the instrument speaks as clearly as possible to the support group of any difficulties that more care may be taken. However, we find very little distortion left in the chest area of the instrument. However, immediately preceding the working, the instrument was offered an extreme activation of what you may call the allergies, and the mucus from the flow which this distortion causes began to cause difficulty to the throat. At this juncture, the previous potential for the tightening of the throat was somewhat activated by reflex of the yellow ray, chemical body over which we have only gross control. We would appreciate you reminding us to cause this instrument to cough before or after each query for the remainder of this working. Once conscious, this instrument should have no serious difficulty. Question 97.16 Questioner, I was wondering why the dark entity was on the right side of the card in relation to the significator. Could Ra comment on that after making the instrument cough? Ra, cough, the nature of, we pause. <laughs> I love that raw, <coughs> the nature of <laughs> raw cough. Ten second pause. I am Ra. There was a welcome, Rodney. By the way, welcome, welcome, welcome. Serious pain flare. We may now continue. The nature of polarity is interesting in that those experiences offered to the significator as positive frequently become recorded as productive of biases which may be seen to be negative, whereas the fruit of those experiences apparently negative is frequently found to be helpful in the development of the service to others by us. As this is perhaps the guiding characteristic of that which the mind processes and records, these symbols of polarity have thusly been placed. You may note that the hands of the central image indicate the appropriate bias for right and left hand working, that is, the right hand gestures in service to others, offering its light outward. The left hand, 
attempts to absorb the power of the spirit and pointed for its use alone. Question 97.17 Questioner, the eight car touches at the bottom would possibly signify the energy centers and the evolution through those centers with the possibility for positive or negative polarization because of the white and black coloration of the figures. Would Ra comment on that after making the instrument cough? Ra, cough, I am Ra. The observations of the student are perceptive. It is informative to continue the study of octaves in association with this concept complex. Many are the octaves of a mind, body, spirit complex as beings. There is not one that does not profit from being pondered in connection with the considerations of the nature of the development of polarity exemplified by the concept complex of your card number five. See, so here again, Ra's talking about the, you know, the octaves and, and you know, the, the tarot cards and what the different things mean. And we talked away, we covered that where, you know, each card, just like, you know, just like uh, Tony said earlier, each card uh, could come out, you get the same card drawn for two different people and it would mean two different things because it's, a, it's literally individual uh, to each one of us. And if I were to draw that card, looking at that card and just pondering that card for something that I am dealing with, it would, it would be the same thing, right? It would be completely, uh, I would get what I need from it because the card is the tool Right, just like anything else, we talked about this before that that you know we use these outside tools and we believe that it is this outside stuff that is doing something when in truth it's not. We are, unless you're actually working like Rodney does and, and I and I do as well with the you know working with alchemy, you're actually doing something with a chemical reaction, right? So you're actually making something happen, not just using words or magic, you're using that divination. Uh, and your intention again, but you're also doing it to something physical where you're transmuting something from one thing into another or putting things together to create something else. It's still on the same thing, but it's an alchemical process, not just a magical process, though you're still using that same energy, the same magic energy, which is another octave of, of you and another expression of you and yourself. So here the cards become those tools and the pictures and images on these cards will translate uh, for you. And like he was saying, in this particular case, there's the possibility of, of positive or negative, uh, uh, positive energy that you can get from the same card, not just in the, you know, right side up, upside down, uh, you know, opposites, but in the literal opposites of light and darkness uh, in each card, because that's the natural balance of the universe where you can't have one without the other. You can't have everything in this universe is completely linear in a sense when it's, even though it's nonlinear, the world is the same way. You can do whatever you want in this world, but there are certain guidelines, certain laws that we have to live by that we set down that are physically, physical laws, right? Same thing in the universe. Everything's an octave, but there's even in those octaves and sub-octaves or in the logos and the sub-logos or the sub-sub-logos of the matrix, there's still certain laws that apply, right? It's just like when aliens come down and they try to say they're your creator God, they're lying to you because there is only one creator God. And that would be the one, uh, you know, the one infinite creator of the universe, not somebody who's 3D. Someone who's 3D didn't create you, didn't create me. If they're in the third dimension, they're just you and me with technology. That's it. They just know a little bit more than you do, so they think that that puts them in charge. That's what happens here, so it's no different 
when you get off world, it's the same thing. I'm reading uh, CIA documents and in, in, from this book from this woman back in 1947 who uh, interviewed the female alien there for um, I don't even know how many weeks, months, uh, because that they, she wouldn't communicate with anybody but this nurse. Uh, and she didn't let him ask any questions. I'm finding that very fascinating that she would she refused cross-examination. She refused validation. She refused any questioning. It was just her speaking the entire time saying what she wanted to say, right? And I'm finding that very amusing because I'm going, no, 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 lies, lies, right? Uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be doing that. And I, and I may ring that out as well. I might piss some people off with that because a lot of people want to believe that that's true. And, and most of it, the factual behind it, like raw, is true. This was an alien that was actually being interviewed, but most of what was spouted off in that alien's mouth is a lie, trying to still propagate the same control takeover by the by the Confederation, uh, you know, by the by the Crusaders, uh, just by calling them a different name, but saying that they own one quarter of the entire universe. And this woman says, "We normally tell the inhabitants of the planets that we take control of, but we didn't tell the humans. We didn't tell you guys." Well, why would they not do that? If they normally do that, why all of a sudden they claim they've been here for 7,000 years, almost 8,000 years, and that they own our ass? Why is it that we're the one planet that they claim they didn't tell? You know why? Because they don't really own us because we have to say they own us. We have free will. It's the same thing with this Orion Confederation or the Orion, not the Confederation, but the Orion uh, Crusaders. I believe they're the same people. They come to try and take over. This is what Raw is warning us about try and take over people because they're like the vampire at the door. They knock on the door. They can't come in until you ask them in. They have been propagating throughout time. That's part of the temporal war that's going on throughout time that we were created by an alien species to be a slave labor race. If they can get that past the seminal point of belief system on this planet, we will then become a slave race because we, all of us on this planet as a collective, make up the rules and laws of this particular planet. Because it's ours. It's the place where we are as souls growing. So we make the rules of the matrix and they know that. So they have to convince us to convince ourselves so that they can show up and go, hey, we own you. Same thing with this alien who claims that she didn't, I haven't heard her say that they created us yet. But she's saying, well, we just showed up here and took over this, this uh, solar system. It's ours now. We annexed it. No, there were some people here from the old empire who believe they owned it. So we got in a war with them. Right? But she hasn't talked about that too much, just that their outpost got completely killed and they found there was other outposts. And she never elaborated on whether there was a war or not. But if you look at the, uh, the uh, uh, texts from India, you'll find that, that they talk about a war that was happening in the sky. And the Germans did too, and so did the Romans. The War of the Gods. This is something that goes way back in everybody's culture. So anyway, let's continue with this, uh, where they're talking about the cards here. Question 97.18. Questioner. Do the symbols on the face of each of these little cards? Yeah, and and uh, Tony, that's uh, to your point. I wasn't looking at the chat because I was talking over here. But yeah, raw an Egyptian god, I believe, of extraterrestrial origin. Um, that's who this raw is claiming that they are. Is that raw that was here at that time? And if you look at actual history, which I don't believe that Carla could have known this, although the the stuff is there. We know more about that that raw now than they did then, but it's possible, you know, because people say, well, maybe she was just making this up or already knew it. <clears throat> the truth is that raw changed the religion of the Egyptians to the one true God. Was preaching the law of one, the the idea of one God, 
and the, and changed the religion and the people at first went along with it but then they were like wait a minute that's like freaking us out that we don't have the many gods so quickly they they you know raw either died or what left something happened and they quickly changed everything back to the way it was and got rid of all the information that raw had talked about of of basically teaching the world the law of one raw in here in the law of one claims that's what happened that they were teaching the people the law of one but the people got were freaked out about it and didn't and didn't want to have any part of it so raw left realizing that they had kind of screwed things up they didn't leave leave they just left and retreated to the rings of saturn where they still are and trying to help us right and they're part of the the uh, um the uh, lockdown of our of our uh, solar system the quarantine which i'm waiting for that woman to kind of talk about that as well even though um, uh, I'll, I'll get into that when I do that stuff from the alien that is known as Errol. Some of you may know uh, about that. That was from 1947. I haven't finished it all yet. I still have three hours uh, of of tape to go through. So when I probably by the time I finish this, the law of one, I'll be prepped and ready to go with that. And I'll just jump right on that. Such as the birds and the other symbols have a meaning in this card that is of value in considering the archetypes. Could you answer that after making the instrument cough? Ra, cough, I am Ra. Yeah, sorry, Rodney. Yeah, we, we, you joined, and it was I was already seven questions in from the session from last time. So you did you did kind of join in the middle of it. But they're talking about. Uh, I mean, this goes back. They're on you know they're on card what five. This goes back at least four or five uh, weeks, anyways, because they've been talking about each card and and like now he's actually talking about two cards in one episode. He usually doesn't. So you would have to go back five weeks or so before they were talking about the, the tarot cards and, and to know exactly where, because we can't cover all that in one, uh, in one session. It was literally goes back to probably 94 or 95, um, session 94, I think, or 93, where they started it. So, yeah, you got in kind of in the middle of, of the, the readings, right, of, of talking about that. But you got here today right after I started. I started at uh, 4. So you had gotten here, what, at like 20 after, a quarter after, right? So you didn't really get in the middle of this, <laughs> but you did in the middle of what they're talking about. These symbols and letters and words, much as your language, would receive such an entablature. They are, to a great extent, enculturated by a people not of your generation. Let us, in the rough, suggest that the information written upon these car thatches be understood to be such as the phrase, and you shall be born again to eternal life. Question 97.19. Right, because it was written back, you know, he's talking about back in the, in the time, so that's what, three, four thousand years ago was when they created that. So he's, he's clarifying what that would mean now, and that you shall be born again uh, to eternal life, right, which is what we would say now. Questioner, thank you. I thought that the wings on top of the card might indicate the protect. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Rodney. Let me put this up on the screen for those of you who have uh, the visuals. Uh, he said, oh, wow, very interesting. I've never heard extraterrestrial connection before that. I have never either. Until this, this was the first time that I, when I read this, that Raw claimed they were the ones who gave the first deck to the Egyptian people. Uh, and there's been rumor that the Egyptians were the first that had a deck. So... I don't know, but this is what they're going over. He has a deck that's as old as, as he could find on the planet, and he's asking Raw for clarification, and Raw's showing him that, that those were made at a different time, and that there's things that were added to that that weren't in the original deck. So what he's trying to do is make that original deck. So he's asking, should I take this out? Should I add that? What should be here on the on the on each card? 
that's why he's going through. It's kind of tedious, but there's a lot to unpack about each card as well. So for those of us that are reading it, we get a lot out of it just by listening to what they're talking about, right? So, all right, let's continue here. Action of the spirit over the process of evolution. Would Ra comment on that after having the instrument cough? Ra, cough, I am Ra. We shall end this session for we are having considerable difficulty in using the sympathetic nervous system in order to aid the instrument in providing sufficient of your air for its respiration. Therefore, we prematurely suggest ending this session. Is there any brief query before we leave this instrument? Question 97.20. Questioner, it's not necessary to answer this if you want to end right now for the instrument's benefit. But is there anything that we can do to improve the contact or make the instrument more comfortable? Answer, I am Ra. All is well. The support group functions well. It is suggested that the instrument be encouraged to take steps to recover completely from the distortion towards the aching of the throat and, to a lesser extent, the chest. There is no way in which we or you may remove the working which has been done. It simply must be removed by physical recovery of the normal distortion. This is not easy due to this instrument's tendency towards allergy. The alignments are being carefully considered. I am Ra. I leave you, my friends, glorying and rejoicing in the love and the light of the infinite creator. Go forth, then, in the great dance, empowered by the peace of the one infinite creator. Adonai. Okay, we'll continue. I'll let that continue in a minute um, after I address this. Rodney says, for those of you listening on the MP3 podcast, he said, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you line up the tarot, specifically the major arcana, uh, in uh, chronological order, starting with the fool. They explain the uh, the uh, alchemical journey of the soul. They actually do. And that's the what he's talking about here, is that it literally uh, is that, that, you, that the person that's there for, uh, it basically took 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 the place of the pyramid. The pyramid's design was to do the same. The different places and chambers of the pyramid would would vibrate at a different uh, tone, and that vibration would help you work on different things, healing and, and these things, having an out-of-body experience, all of that stuff. Uh, and then when they took that away from the priests because the priests stole it, they made the tarot deck, which does the same thing. And so what you're saying there, Rodney, is is what they are actually claiming uh, is uh, going on there. So for those of you who are listening on the MP3 pod, uh, uh, thing, uh, this you won't see the visuals. This is the Law of One, uh, and that was session 97. And we're going to go ahead and start the video for session 98. And session 98 of the Law of One took place the, the session itself took place on September 24th, 1982. So let's go ahead to uh, 98, session 98, the law of one. No, I am Ra. I no, really, it's going to start. <laughs> greet you in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator. We communicate now. Question 98.1. Questioner. Could you first please give me the condition of the instrument? Answer, I am Ra. The physical energy deficit has somewhat increased. The vital energy distortions are somewhat improved. Uh, yes, and um, let me put that back up on the screen. And Steve, the, the pyramid that they're hiding uh, over in China, or the pyramids that they're hiding over in China, line up as well, and it makes the exact three 
uh, pyramids that would be the same pyramidal shape as the three in Giza. Uh, and those three big pyramids line up into the exact same formation of the, um, the belt of Orion across our planet. Um, so yeah, I've seen that. And I actually have that in my video um, that I'm going to be posting for, if you go to ancient aliens worldwide, the group, they're about to turn, I created that group back in 2012 and we're about to turn uh, 280,000 members in that group. And I have a video that I'm going to drop for them. I always do a video for milestones with some music and all the bunch of pictures taken from our archives. And that's uh, some of the, the pictures that are in our archive show all of that uh, and, and a bunch of other stuff. Right. So, so yeah. And, and Rodney with the, you know, let me put that up there. Right. Let me see what he's saying here, right? Most of the temples uh, on the world line up. Yes, they do. They're all on grid lines and ley lines and energy lines, and they all line up in different geometric shapes and uh, all over the, the entire planet. And then, uh, you know, as above, so below formation, right? But see, I, I like to say, I like to say as below, so above, because the as above, so below is a lie that has been told to us that sets up that caste system that says that there is an all-seeing God who has the power but if you look in all the Bibles of the planet, every single one has it somewhere in there. The Christian Bible, the New Testament, has it in, in uh, uh, Mark 17 or Mark 18, 17 through 21. And in there, that's where they say that God was saying to the people that what you sow on earth, I shall too sow in heaven. What you unleash on the earth, I shall too unleash in, in the heavens. So God was giving us the power and the will. So it's not as above, so below. It's actually as below, so above. And it's not as, you know, as within or as without, so within. It's as within, so without. Everything comes and stems from us first, Rodney. Our energy, our intention, because we are the pneuma. We are the, with the breath of God, the spark of God. We're not just something that was created out of mud that has no power. We are part of the one true creator. So because we're part of that, we live outside of the creation. Think about everything in, in nature. Everything in nature lives by the law of nature. And they only breed when it's, when it's the time when everyone breeds. It's the springtime. When life is coming back to the planet, that's supposed to be the cycle of the gods, right? The renewal. All the animals breed. We humans can breed whenever we want to. All year, all year long. Right? There's only dolphins and, and humans that are the only two uh, animals, mammals. They have sex when they want to for fun, not just for procreation. Everything else, the only time they do it is when they're procreating, right? You don't have dogs in the wintertime screwing each other unless the dog's in heat. That doesn't happen. They go in heat at the same time every year. Women tend to gather and, get, and end up with you have a bunch of women at the same time. Um, you know, the, the one true creator gave us men a break by having them all go off at once. Instead of having one here and one there, and you're working with 20 women. And every day you got another one who's PMSing and your life would just be hell like that. But if you have like me, I have four sisters. If I had four sisters and they all had a, a period at a different time of the month, I'm in trouble, man. Right. I would have been grown up with a woman beating me up every day. They were all older than me. Right. So so the, they, the whole household or the whole job changes and they find an average between all of the women uh, when their menstrual cycles were before. And that changes. And you can ask any woman this to tell you that. So we change because we we choose to. We don't have children when no one else does. That's why is that we're outside of nature because we're the creator. So it's us. We are the ones who have the power, not some someone above us. 
and that we're a slave to them. That's the slave caste system, the maritime law caste system that they're trying to get us to buy into and believe is true, right? So, but I mean, that is my opinion. And there's many, many of us out there, millions of us who believe that, maybe even trillions at this point, who believe that, uh, you know, it's that they lied to us and it's not as above, so below. It's as below, so above. I mean, even the band Tool, uh, in one of their songs, he says that in the song, as below, so above, right? Let's see, what is Roddy saying here? Roddy's put this up on the screen for you. There's one reason men need uh, intuition and women don't. Women are, are yeah, right? <laughs> they, they are. They're, they're in, it, naturally, by nature, it's because of their nurturing uh, capabilities. So they're intuitive uh, in a way that we aren't. But we're also hunters, so we're intuitive in a different way, whereas we see things happening around us that they don't see that we think, how can they be oblivious to that guy sneaking up on us right over there? <clears throat> because they have the sense, but it's not the same as ours because we are men. We go out and we, we're fighting the wars and we're doing all this stuff. Um, you know, we have that. Uh, we, the languages that men speak, if you think about it, we have a certain language, body language, that we speak to each other with, with just motion and, and glances and looks uh, where women have their own. But they don't understand us, and we don't understand them. <coughs> so they don't get <coughs> certain things. Perfect example of this. I know this is kind of off the the uh, the uh, the path a bit, but the you know the and we see men have their own uh, intuition, right? So <laughs> so that's you know he's intuition that men have their own uh, as well. So right, like you know, like free frame free masonic intuition, right? You have your own. Everyone. We, you have that and you get that. It's also the uh, same thing with ESP and that kind of extrasensory perception that, that we can tap into. Like for me, I have um, colorblind problems. So uh, camouflage doesn't work on me the way it does everyone else, right? My, I'm more keyed on movement than I am on color because I only see 28 spectrums of color. So, so I naturally catch movement. So when somebody's sitting still, they have to really be breathing shallow for me not to see them, even if they're wearing camouflage, because the camouflage doesn't blend and mix the colors the way they do for people who see all the colors. So because I don't see all the colors, uh, it, it looks different to me, and, I, and it doesn't fool me. Ghillie suits. Ghillie suits do, because ghillie suits, you take the stuff from the terrain, and you put it on you, and you're completely covered uh, with a net. I mean, if you've ever put one on. Um, those do work on me, but most of the time, even those, as soon as you move, if you move in any way, even your eyes, unless you have covering over your eyes, because yeah, I can see the whites in your eyes, right? So, because that's white, it's very bright to me. Uh, so, but different things, you know, uh, we react differently. The, like I said, here's an example. Um, I was, um, I was in this, I went to the store with this, the woman that I was dating at the time, we went to a card store. And uh, we walked in. She knew the owner. I had never been to that card store before. And, you know, I had all the baseball, football cards, all this stuff. And we walked in, and there was there was really nobody in the store at the time. It was just her and I. And we were kind of wandering out looking for stuff. And these guys came in, and there was there was three of them. Um, one stayed at the door. Okay, he was at the door, and he was looking out the door and looking back in. And the other the other guys, the other three, were were uh, walking around. And, I, and as soon as I saw that, I went, "That's that's the guy, the, the lookout at the door. They're going to rob this place." Right. And and I could see that the owner of the shop got the spider sense as well. And I kept seeing him moving back towards the register. So I thought either he has a weapon or a panic button or he just wants to make sure they don't grab the register and run. But he keeps going back there. 
So I need to shoo these guys away from that spot. So uh, I, I would move over to next to the guy between me and the register or between him and the register. I'd step into his space and start looking at the cards like I was just looking at the cards. And then he would move away from me. And as he moved away from me, I would slowly start walking towards him. I'd take a step and, and I'd be looking at the cards and then I'd take another step. And, and if he walked around me, I would, I would stand there and look at the cards for a minute. And I would walk down to the other end again and start talking to the owner. And then I would kind of do the same thing and kind of herd him away. And he saw that I was doing that. So he started working on the other guy. Uh, and I was like, I have no idea what we're going to do. Right. Well, I got lucky at that point, a, a friend of my father's who was actually undercover security at the local hospital who knew me my most of my life walked in with his wife and kid. And I saw him and I walked over and said, Hey, red, how you doing? Do you remember me? And he looked at me and he says, you look familiar. And I told him who I was. And he was like, Oh my God, I've known you since you were like five. I said, yeah. And I gave him this look and I looked at the guy at the door and I looked him back in his eyes. Then I looked at the guy at the register and I looked him back in, in his eyes and he stopped and he looked at me because he was he was that time still undercover security. He stopped and he looked over the guy at the door, looked back at me, and I and I just stared at him and then glanced to the left to the guy over the register. And he looked over there and he saw these other two guys. And then he saw the only other person that was in there was my girlfriend. And I and I, he looked back at me and I gave him just just a little nod. I said, "So how, how you been?" And I gave him this little head, you know, this little head nod, like, yeah, bro. And he looked at his wife and he said, honey, take uh, whatever his son's name was. Why don't you guys go wait for me in the car? And the kid goes, oh, you know, come on, dad. I wanted to go. No, just go and wait for me in the car. I'll only be a couple minutes. I'm going to talk with him. And then I'll be back out there. Go and wait in the car. And he looked at his wife. And as soon as he looked at her, she grabbed the kid and said, we're going to go wait in the car. And they left. So then immediately he went over and started on the one guy. And I started on the other guy. And we just kept getting in their space. And we just kept letting them, you know, big, we're big dudes and we're in your presence and we're here, but we didn't say anything to them. And the guy at the door started getting more and more nervous and looking out the door and looking back going, giving the sign like, dude, what's up? And, uh, and then eventually they just got scared and they just turned around and said, oh, come on, man, let's go. Okay, you have a nice day, sir. And they walked out the door. And the entire time, my girlfriend had no idea any of this was happening. None whatsoever. I wasn't sure if she did, and I didn't have time to try and inform her, so I just let her be where she was and tried to keep myself in a position to where if something happened, I could I could at least be between myself and those guys from her. So as so, um, soon as they left, the shop owner looked up and said, oh, my God, Red, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you guys stayed. Those guys were going to rob me. And I was like, yep. My girlfriend goes, what are you talking about? She had no idea. And I was like, you didn't know? And she's like, no, I'm looking at cards. I wasn't even paying attention. I'm like, these guys were casing the joint, setting up. They were going to rob this place. Luckily, Red came in. And he looked at me. He goes, you know Red? I said, all my life. He's a friend of my dad's. They work together. And, and Red goes, man, I had no idea until you gave me that look. And he says, Son, you're, you're, he says your dad taught you well because you're good at that. He says, I understood everything you said and, and was not wrong. Right? Yeah, it's right. Super spider sense. Tina's yeah, super spider sense, right? So, but I mean, it's true. We men have that. Another scenario, then we'll get back to the law of one. Another scenario was, was I was at the Renaissance fair with a buddy of mine who I've literally known since we were 17 years old. And at the time we were probably in our late thirties and we were there with a, a friend of ours who I've also known since she was like nine. 
Uh, and uh, it was just the three of us and we were walking along and there was this, this little hill that went up. We couldn't see over it from where we were at, but we heard something going on up there. We had stopped and we were talking, trying to figure out what we were going to do. And at that place where we were at, there wasn't very many people. We were like out on the fringe of the, of the, of the uh, Renaissance fair. <clears throat> there wasn't that many people, but we heard the something going on. It sounded like a ruckus, some banging, something. And I immediately turned to my right and and because it was off to my right and my buddy Paul was facing me, so it was off to his left. And what I didn't realize is that, and, and she saw this, I immediately turned to my right, he immediately turned to his left and we were walking exactly step in step and both of us spread out and went up this hill as if we were in combat and we knew that the enemy was up there somewhere and we were both looking for cover where we had defilade and where we could actually still see what was going on. So I went up behind this rock and he went up behind this tree and before he could see, I was able to glance around this rock and see that there was two cops, sheriffs, and a guy who was drunk and he was like getting ready to fight the sheriffs and yelling and screaming at him and all this stuff. I looked back to him and I started talking to him in, in hand sign language, telling him two cops, right? And some drunk guy. And she was like, what the hell are you just saying? And then he looked, he looked at her and then he waved at her and then just waved her to come up. And then uh, we just stood there because we didn't want to scare the police at that point, come up from behind him. They don't know if we're his friends. So we stayed to our ground, but she came up and, and she was like, what was he saying to you? And it's fine. It's a couple of cops. They're going after some drunk uh, and she was like, you understood that? And he was like, yeah, you didn't understand what we were saying. It was clearly a sign language, military sign language. And, and well, I guess it was guy sign language too. And so we both left and she was like, oh my God, you guys moved in complete unison. Like you were uh, the Delta force. And she says, and at first it scared me. But then right after that, I realized, holy crap, if you guys had guns, you're like the Delta force right here. The way you're moving, everything you're doing is perfect. You knew where each one, you knew where he was and he knew where you were 100% of every step you guys made. And she said, you guys didn't make a single sound. And I was like, well, no, you don't want to make a sound that you can assess what's going on up there. You don't know what's going on. It could be a bunch of crazies about to shoot us. And she was like, wow, now I get that whole like combat thing you men have going on. <laughs> I was like, I think he kept us out of jail that time in, in Mexico. And he's like, no, that was the time when I broke us out of jail. You got us arrested. And I said, that wasn't my fault. And she was like, all right, all right, enough of that. I want to hear about your guys' war stories. We started laughing. And I was like, I, no, it wasn't my fault. He bit that guy. And he was like, I didn't bite him. He bit me first. I'm like, but you bit him. We got in trouble for that. Yeah, but you didn't have to start beating people. I was like, we were, had to fight our way out. Yeah, but we got arrested. I'm like, yeah, but you broke us out. So we were fine. <laughs> it was hilarious. She was, it was funny. Okay, let's go back and do some more of the lot one. And I will run long a little bit today because I've talked a lot. Right? So I'll run over here. Let's continue over here. Let's get back to the topic at hand, and not, not, not sign language and stuff, right? Question 98.2. Question. We eliminated our meditation prior to the session. Would Ra comment on that? Answer, I am Ra. The purpose of preparation for a working is the purification of each entity involved with the working. The removal of a portion of this preparation has a value determined by the purity of each which takes part in the working has achieved without that particular aid. Question 98.3 Questioner, I have just taken a wild guess that possibly it was during that meditation prior to the working that was used by our fifth density, negative friend to create the allergic reactions and other reactions in the instrument. Was I correct in that assumption, or was I incorrect? Answer, I am Ra. 
This entity greets the instrument as close to the working in your space-time continuum as is practicable. The elimination of that preparation cause the fifth density entity to greet this instrument at this juncture of decision not to meditate. The greeting does not take what you would call a noticeable amount of your time. Question 98. Uh, yes, and, and they're actually talking about right here at this point, it is referring to the physical purification of your vessel, our vessel. Uh, and and the and the, also in the room in the area where, where they're in because they actually cast a uh, cast a you know a circle to work in and they so they're cleansing everything. But what he's speaking of right there in that last part of the fifth density entity uh, is the assassin that is in the fifth density or the fifth dimension that is occupying the exact space that Carla is, is in in the fifth. And he can't do it in the fourth because the fourth is occupied by people. Right. There's a there's a human race here that's well, they're a little bit different looking. They don't look as much human as we do. But there is a race that's here that is us for the people who have moved up and other people that have come to this planet from other places who have graduated from the third into the fourth. And when we those of us who are here do eventually graduate, we will be reborn. Well, I won't. You guys will. I'll go back to where I came from. But those of you who are indigenous to here or indigenous to the third dimension, which I'm not. I came from the fifth uh, and came back to the to the uh, to the third. Um, I'll go back to to my life there. And but everybody else who's going to move to the fourth will actually stay on Earth. And it's actually called Earth. Um, but he can't go there because he's, in fact, from the fifth dimension fifth density so he can't move down they don't like to do that because they get mind wiped when they come here so they go and occupy a space there in the exact same place and then through using their abilities they psychically attack a person now that's where i was getting into when i was talking about this arrow from 1947 i believe that she's doing the same thing because she is she is talking about entering into a doll body, what they call a doll body, not a, not a physical body like ours because it's not as efficient. Our body is not as efficient as their, their made-up doll body, which is a gray, by the way. So they enter the gray and control it. So they do what like I'm doing here and like you're doing here, but they're aware of it that they don't belong in this body and it's just an avatar. They can come in and out whenever they want. And they use that to be in the third dimension without having to be mind wiped and go back and be born into an avatar here. I'll get into that when I talk about that, when I do that after the law of one's finished. Okay. But yes, that's what they were talking about there. And now they're talking about the psychic attack that was causing problems where they, you know, tried to kill Carla and they were constantly trying to kill Carla throughout all of the, between 1981 and 1984. And then even beyond that, even though they weren't talking to Ra anymore, she didn't con couldn't contact Ra. Uh, she contacted other beings, and I'm, I probably will cover some of that as well once I'm done with the Law of One. Uh, she continued to do that right up until her death, which was only about two or three, maybe four years ago now. All right, let's continue. Point four. Questioner, was the greeting as effective as it would have been if meditation had been done? Answer, I am Ra. Yes. Question 98.5. Questioner, I have a question from the instrument. It states, could Ra tell us what factors are allowing our fifth density negative companion to be able to continue greeting the instrument in the throat area as well as with other unusual sensations such as dizziness, the smelling of orange blossoms, the feeling of stepping on imaginary creatures, and what can be done to lessen these greetings. Also, why do the greetings occur on walks? Answer, I am Ra. There are various portions of the query. We shall attempt answer to each. 
we tread close to the law of confusion, saved only by the awareness that given lack of information this instrument would, nonetheless, continue to offer its service. The working of your fifth density companion which still affects the instrument was, as we have stated, a potent working. The totality of those biases which offer to the instrument opportunities for increased vital and physical strength, shall we say? Well, Rodney, I'm not sure about that. I'll put that up. Rodney says, uh, I feel that the raw connection is possibly connected to the Stargate of Iraq. Well, it, it is. I think it's connected to like a lot of the Stargates that are still here. The one the one that is the Bermuda Triangle, the one that is the Dragon Triangle over in Japan. There's a few pyramids that are still on. Uh, and that might be a conduit. I, I don't know for certain, but it is like if you watch the, the television series Stargate or the movie, Stargate or the TV series Stargate SG-1, um, they actually do work like that. That's why you have so many you know, ships and planes disappearing uh, over those areas, especially the Bermuda Triangle and the Dragon Triangle, because the pyramids there are still operational. And so above the pyramid, when Ra was talking about building, when someone was talking about building a pyramid to ask the question, Don asked the question, um, Ra was actually saying that above the pyramid, a certain distance away from the pyramid, the pyramidal shape actually creates a portal. And that is, is that some of the problem? And they were talking about, you know, the pyramid size doesn't matter. It's the shape itself that is, uh, that is the actual, um, creates the portal. So if you were to put one underneath your bed, that Ross said, be careful how big the pyramid is in, in the logistical sense of uh, the distance between the top of the pyramid and where your head is on the pillow. Because if you get, if a pyramid's large enough and that, and that, uh, zone goes there, you could literally transport your head out of your body and people come find you dead, decapitated because your head goes through the portal. So that was a warning in doing that. And um, Valerie Uvanoff, who is the guy who um, uh, builds pyramids, he said the same thing. There is that zone uh, that is above the pyramid. So when they build a pyramid outside, they make sure that that zone is in a place where people aren't going to be in it's not too high so that planes aren't going to fly down, but you can fly a drone there. And he said, if you fly a drone into that zone and hover it there, it'll just wink out of existence if you can find that exact spot. And there's measurements, so you can tell by measurements, right? So, yeah, you watched it. So, yeah, so Tony said, I watched the, the film Stargate and believe the one, one of, if not three, main characters shared my surname, Jackson, right? Yeah, those Jacksons were in there, right? Uh, and uh, and I was like, wow, right? Intriguing that the film linked the Stargate with Egypt. Um, well, that's kind of the theory that uh, was the running theory that the Egyptians hated was that the there was a Stargate and um, then they came up with, I'm not sure how they came up with the symbiotic relationship with the, uh, you know, with the, um, oh, I can't remember what they're called now. Uh, but that was the, the, the theory is that the Stargate system is there and it is that. Right. So so that, that so that's kind of where they base the theory for the movie and the theory for the uh, uh, for the TV series was based on the theory that they had to have gotten from the law of one, because there wasn't much talk about a stargate above pyramids, uh, even when they created that. But the law of one was out there already. So someone had to have read the law of one to get an idea that there was a, a you know, but then I, I think they talked about it in didn't they talk about it in the Necronomicon as well? I don't know anybody who's read that. Rodney, have you ever read the Necronomicon? I have, and I'm, and I, and I, and I'm not sure. I mean, Rodney would be the only other person besides me probably in the crowd that read it, um, being alchemist, but uh, he, you know, he's from that order. Um, so 
in in that I believe because I know they talked about the the city beneath the city beneath the city, and then in there they had uh, you know were were able to then um, uh, you know glean uh, an alien world and actually take control of a physical body and move around with that in that mind of that person until they were kind of found out, and then they had to bounce. So um, there was a lot of that in that book. I have to go get it again and reread and reread it. Yes, it's been too long for me too, Rodney. Since I have read it, but it's been too long. Agreed. I read it, and I think it was uh, ten years ago or so, uh, or more, when I read it. So I don't remember all of what was in there. I'm gonna have to get it again and read it uh, for the same purpose. Because you know, in the beginning, it says it's esoteric, and so if the, the information, if you have the mind, you have the eyes to see, you'll see it. If you have the mind, you'll know it. Uh, and, and when I've read it, you know, you go back and read it more than once, just like raw. When you go back and read it more than once, you start. Depending on where you are in your developmental stage of your vibration, you're going to pick up things you didn't pick up before. So I'm in a different place now uh, than I was 10 years ago by far. Uh, so I'm, I'm seriously going to get a copy of it and reread it to see what I pick up this time out of that from what I got from last time. But I'm almost positive because he, in that, in that he had said that Nebuchadnezzar had witnessed where they were trying to use the obelisk to open a portal to bring someone through and it exploded. Do you remember that part, Rodney? It blew up and that's what killed the grid here on the planet. So I don't know if he was referring to just an obelisk or if he was referring to the, the great pyramid because the, the, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the capstone is missing. And that's what made the whole thing not work was the fact that the capstone went missing. And we don't know if it, maybe that was what blew up. So there was an explosion here on earth that's disrupted the worldwide communicational web that was set up with all the obelisks and the pyramids around the world. And um, that was told in that, that Nebuchadnezzar witnessed that happen. Yes, he, so Rodney does remember that. Uh, so that was what destroyed all the links. And, the, and so some of them all turned off, but they didn't realize that some of them were still on and generating power. And then, and because of that, that was where, uh, we lost that technology because no one knew understand how to how to fix it, and that's how the explosion happened to begin with. They were tinkering with an ancient, just like the uh, uh, just like the Atlanteans, tinkering with something they had no business with, and they ended up uh, you know uh, stopping the Earth from turning, and the mantle moved uh, with inertia because it's floating, and the crust moved on, on top of the mantle, and that's what you know changed the poles, and the pole flipped, and. Uh, Atlantis was flash, flash frozen and, and ends up being, uh, uh, you know, the Antarctica now, at least we believe that, because uh, they were, then they had to turn it back on. They were tempering with the, with the spark, with the, with the one, with the zero point uh, of the, uh, as above, so below, right? That's a three, six, and nine. Uh, so, I mean, that's just crazy right there in and of itself. So it's possible that, um, you know, what he was talking about when he, when he was reading that book or writing that book may have been, something that he didn't just make up, he, you know, he obviously had a knowledge there that goes deep, you know, like you were saying, it could be the Masonic uh, stuff, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, because he had that uh, background, right, Rodney? So, you know, uh, he may have had something that he really did have, you know, maybe all that, the whole book that he claimed was not made up, he channeled it somehow. And, and if you look it up, the places that he talks about are really there. So either way, it was well-written. That's why when people say, oh, I don't know, man, that's kind of black, dark stuff. I'm like, not so much. 
Not so much. Just the necromancy part. It was a little dark, but I don't know that I'm going to go in and pop some glowing worms and have that poison running through my body to have that. It's like, you know, peyote's bad enough, right? Some of the stuff the natives did were bad enough. And the Irish as well, the Celts, they were taking some psychedelics, uh, you know, but that opens their minds. Look at the 60s with the doors. I mean, they literally called themselves the doors because of that, right? Yeah, very Gnostic, right? <laughs> so, yeah. I know, right? I wish I had 10 more. Tony, let's just put this up on the screen. Tony says, ooh, right? I, I so, I'm so, i so curious. I wish I had 10 or more minds, uh, you know, being to be able to to learn more at once. I agree with you because you can't learn everything. Um, that's See, that's that knowledge of love or the love of knowledge. That's the whole philosophic um, uh, uh, ideology. Philosophy, if you have a good philosophy teacher, your philosophy teacher will tell you that's what that word means, the love of knowledge or the knowledge of love. And when you get bit by that bug, just like Tony just said right there, and Rodney, I'm sure you can attest to this, when you get bit by that bug, you want to know everything, but you just can't know everything. Uh, I talked about that earlier on. You can't know everything because every time you ask a question, even if you do answer that question, it spawns 10 more questions. So, you know, when when Nietzsche said uh, that he wasted his entire life because that he could never answer all of the questions that you pose, that it was a waste of his time, of his life, I, I said, no, it's not. That's akin to um, uh, Kazimoto, who the last samurai before he died, you know, he had said when he was looking at the flowers from the almond tree and they're very pretty, beautiful little flowers. You could look at these uh, for your entire life and you'll never find a perfect one. And then on the battlefield, while he was just before he committed uh, Harikari, he was dying and he was all shot up and he looked up and, and the wind was blowing and they were in the field that had those almond trees and the flowers went flying and he said, no, I'm wrong. They're all perfect. So I would have said to Nietzsche, no, you're wrong, because the answer is within you. It's you. You're the answer, right? So it's because you're perfect. So there is there is no ending because there is no ending to the universe because there's it's infinite, just like the creator. It's infinite, just like love. It's infinite. Wisdom is infinite. Wonder is infinite. Experience is infinite. There is no end. There is never will be an end. So when it so it makes what Socrates said even more important when he said, the more you know, the more you know, you know nothing, because that's what happens to you. When you start to become wise, you realize I don't know everything because I can't. I only know what I know. Right. That's, you know, go back to Popeye the sailor and those old cartoons. You know, I, I am what I am. You can only know what you can know. It doesn't mean that if someone knows more than you about a subject, you're stupid, right? It only means that you don't know what they know because they put in more time. So, so that's like, you know, trying to say, well, um, I'm, I'm going to go and be a race car driver. And, and now you're going to compare yourself to, you know, uh, to one of the greatest race car drivers ever, you know, like Richard Petty in stock car or, you know, Dale Jr. or Dale Sr. in stock car in our generation, uh, you know, or or Denny Hamlin, who's still out there doing it, or, you know, any of those guys, you're going to go, I am nobody compared to them. I'll never achieve that. Well, they've been doing this, you know, for all their lives. Richard Petty went into his 40s before he retired, and he was third generation race car driver. Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s third generation uh, race car driver. Okay, so these guys grew up in the whole thing. Their entire lives was that. So the baseball players are the same. Basketball players are the same. You have second, third, and fourth generation people that are doing that. So they're superstars. Look at look at uh, Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors. He's second generation. He might be third generation. I know for sure his father played, but I know I'm not old enough to know if his grandfather played. 
Um, but he's, he's second-generation basketball, and his brother plays as well, and they're both in the NBA. He's going to go down in history as a GOAT, one of the greatest of all times. He was already on the list. So I couldn't compare to him, but he played basketball his entire life, right? So you have to put in the time. When the more time you put in doing something, the better at it you get. So I always tell people not to worry when you think somebody's better than you. They're just better than you at that. I'll bet you'll find something that you're better than them at because they've focused their entire life on one thing, right? And they're really, really good at that one thing. But then there's some of us who are like, you know, try and focus on everything, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. See, so yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot that you can do, right? Like here, talk about racing. Let's put that up, Tony, right? Before I joined the the video I've been racing. I, I did Gran Turismo too. Love that Gran Turismo. Uh, played that for a, forever. That was so realistic because they actually have the tracks are real. Every bump in every track is exactly the way it is in real life. I don't know if you're aware of that, but it, they're exactly uh, rendered from. They go out and they literally drive through and film it and, and digitize it. Uh, I've recognized uh, tracks that I was racing on in in uh, Gran Turismo. And uh, never had seen them, and, and then I'm watching television. I'm like, oh, that's that's down there, at, you know, in, in San Diego. That's the you know Sears uh, uh, Sears Point down there. And, it, and people look at me, how do you know? Because I've been on that track virtually, right? So yeah, so I mean, that's that's just uh, that that stuff actually works too. By the way, right? I'm, I think we'll stop with the law of one. We'll get into that right here. You know, when you're learning something, right? Oh, so I'm sorry, Chloe, welcome. Uh, Chloe says, uh, uh, Tony Jackson, hello. I just popped in to see what was going on. Sounds interesting, but sounds like I missed a lot. Yes, you did, unfortunately. If you get here when I'm an hour in, um, you've already missed a lot. But you can go back afterwards and rewind it, right? Um, so you re rewatch from the beginning if, if when I have time. Yes, it'll be in my archives. So if you, I don't know where you found it. It looks like you're on Facebook. So if you found me on Facebook or a link to that, go to Orion Rising on Facebook and, and you can watch it over there. Or you could go to YouTube and look up Ryan Rising there, and that's my ar archives. But I'm also broadcasting there live uh, today, and I'll be doing that going forward. Uh, so, so let's you know, let's get into that. That's, and this is this is how that that does work as well, Tony. When you're doing when you're playing virtually, it does actually help you in real life. And here's the test that they did that uh, they've done many, but here's one where uh, they were trying to teach people uh, and see the difference of say. Um, uh, shooting hoops in the basketball and uh, shooting hoops like playing horse and shooting from different places. And they split this class of people into two groups. One was 60 people and they split it up into 30 um, uh, people on each side. And for one group, they say, you guys are group A. So every day I want you to, for one hour, come out to the, wherever you're at, go to a ball field, go to somewhere where you can throw, you know, you can practice um, shooting hoops. The other group, I don't want you to do that at all. I only want you to touch a basketball. But for, for every single day for one hour, I want you to sit and close your eyes and in your mind practice shooting hoops for one month. And first, before they split them up, they had everybody shooting hoops and they recorded their skill level for each person shooting, shooting the basketball and how many times they hit and how many times they missed. And then they, for a whole month, then they came back after a month and they did the exact same thing. And guess what they found? Both groups had the exact same improvement. So focusing even with just your mind and doing that gives you the same confidence and skill set as actually being in the gym doing that, right? You've heard of that sort of study, right? <clears throat> so that works with everything. And I'll tell you this because 
uh, when I learned that, I've been in martial arts since I was eight years old, seven years old. Mixed, mixed martial arts the whole nine. I never competed. Like by the time I was older and, and off doing stuff, MMA popped up. Right? And I was like, oh man, my body's too beat up. I'm in my 40s. I wish that this was 20 years ago. Uh, I would have loved this. I didn't want to go overseas at the time because that stuff was going on overseas already, but not mixed martial art. It was always Muay Thai or or, or something like that, kickboxing and stuff like that. It was never really full-blown mixed martial arts like there is now um, because it was always a stand-up game. They didn't have the, the ground game uh, in, involved in it until until and it wasn't a UFC who started. It was a different organization who started Pride or one of those guys started it doing the actual with, with everything in the, in the uh, octagon. And, and it wasn't, they actually started in a regular ring and then turned it into the octagon. So, so when I learned that, I actually do that and I practice martial arts in my mind as well as physically, but I do it in my mind as well. I do Tai Chi in my mind. And I, you know, and then I, if I have time or a place, I can, I do it physically. And I have found that it keeps your reflexes really intense to the point where my body does stuff on its own right? Does stuff on its own because it's, because it was, it's been trained to do that. So I, my, I react faster than I think it or at the exact same time. Right. And yeah, right. It says all is mine because that's the truth of it. That is the truth of it. And that's where I'm trying to get across about the law of one and what, what Ra's trying to get across to Don, but Don doesn't quite get it because of him being more of an academic um, physicist than a spiritualist and I and I started out the same way but uh, became spiritual at a young age uh, and by the time I started they were trying to wean me to be that academic uh, physicist um, I realized they were missing stuff right I guess I can turn this off over here and um, go back into the studio so you guys can see me here right so I'm in there for a second let me put that let me stop sharing the screen here right where's my Stop sharing. There we go. There I am. So, so what was I saying? <clears throat> uh, now I, I missed my own my own train of thought. Right, lost my own train of thought. So, oops, I got stuff in the wrong place here. Okay. All right. Let me put that up on the screen. See, I'm watching the chat over here, not over here. Uh, so. So he says, I've got to, I got to say very interested in alchemy, but haven't found a lot of resources. It is actually kind of hard, right? You have to have, you talk to Rodney. He'll kind of, he, I think he can give you some resources. Um, he would have better. I've, I dabble in it. He's, he's more uh, mainstream than I am. I know most of what he knows, but not everything. Rodney knows far more. So he would be able to push you to an actual uh, uh, guidelines, I think, more than I would. Uh, I went to school for chemistry. I had to do that for my profession. So uh, I already had that mindset. And being from a prepper family, my, my family were survivalists. Uh, because of that, there's a lot of uh, alchemy that's involved in prepping because you have to know how to do all of the things that they did in the past and they, and they do now to make weapons, to make, you know, uh, things that, you know, heal people as well as things that you can blow people up, shoot people and stuff like that. So you have to know alchemy to understand how to do anything, right? I mean, if you're going to make gunpowder, you have to be an alchemist to make gunpowder. You can't just stumble onto how to do that. Right. So you have to you have to know how to make that stuff, make gasoline, you know, uh, biofuel, that sort of stuff. I can take any oil from any restaurant, leftover Chinese oil or 
or McDonald's French fry smelling oil, and I can turn that into drive your car, especially if you have a diesel. Uh, and these flex fuel vehicles that they're coming out with now make that a lot easier, right? And the byproduct of that is soap. So, right, so taking that and turning that into 100% recycling that uh, by adding a couple of chemicals in the process and stirring and washing, um, when you when you wash it and, and, and bleed out the fuel, what's left in the tank is soap. It's literally liquid soap. So, so you know, since then, because of that, once you start down that path, is my point here, once you start down that path of learning things, you'll start learning to make all your own stuff. Um, I did that. I was making my own uh, deodorant, my own soap, my own dish soap, my own laundry soap, because you realize how easy it is to do and how cost effective it is to make it yourself, no matter what it is. So once you start down that path, it's addictive. Right. And you get into all kinds of stuff. I was just showing uh, uh, I was surprised that Rodney, I actually gave him a couple recipes that I'm sure he has hundreds that I don't have, but like making Ormus and making uh, making colonial silver. He was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You you know, you make those? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, uh, how do I do that? And I gave him the recipe. And so I don't know if he's made it yet, but I'm sure he will. Uh, and, you know, it's very simple. It's it's actually easy. And the, the method that I use for making Ormus is the ancient Egyptian method that they, that, you know, the Cleopatra's milk that they did. So once you start learning this stuff, it's a skill set. Rodney even said this when we we're talking, it's a skill set that people have forgotten survival, alchemy. Those skill sets are skill sets that people have forgotten. And they've done this on purpose to you. Uh, you know, they take away your spirituality and then they take away your ability to live off the land. So you're completely a hundred percent uh, um, hooked on and addicted to their products. So they can just close the stores and close your bank account. They got you. You have to do whatever they tell you to do. If they do that to me, I just move outside, right? I go out there and get stuff and come back, forage until they, you know, go to evict me from here, right? But then I have equipment. I can live out there, right? I have everything I needed to have to live in the wild. And you'd be surprised when you get outside the cities. The cities are poisonous. Most of the stuff that we grow that are pretty looking, you can't eat. Right. So if you want to survive, move to a desert. You'll have a better chance of surviving in the desert or the wilderness uh, in the desert, especially because the only thing you have to worry about there are scorpions and snakes. It's not uh, there's some bears and stuff like that, but it's usually up in the, in the mountains. So if you move to a desert, I was living in Arizona, man. You live in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, uh, Utah, Nevada. Um, you don't have to worry about too many animals out there. Predators going to get you. But if there's more food out there to eat than there is in the cities unless you go to stores and that stuff rots. That stuff out there is just growing. You just take, cultivate it and cook it and eat it, right? So it's just crazy, right? Yeah, Ormus, you looked into a product, but always uh, doubted my ability. Uh, would Ormus help clear uh, the chakras? Yeah, actually, it helps everything. We put this on the screen for those of you who want to read what I was just reading to you. Uh, Tony asked that question. Um, and, and, yeah, yeah. and what, what Ronnie said here, cost-effective and, more importantly, healthier. Absolutely, right, because you're making it yourself. Absolutely. So yes, um, not not 100%. It does help to reset everything. Uh, it makes you smarter too, right? It makes you smarter. It helps you reset everything. And um, it does help with the chakras, but you still have to do some work. You have to learn the chakras uh, and learn how to clear them. Um, but you, you just have to do the due diligence, but it, it does help. You just have to be careful with Ormus. The mood that you're in is enhanced. So if you're in a bad mood, don't take it that day. It'll make your mood even worse. 
if you're in a good mood, it'll make you in a better mood. If you're in a eh, whatever mood, you'll be in a little bit better mood. Um, but it does enhance uh, everything. Um, I was surprised when I first started taking it, how people would say, you feel this? And I was like, um, I don't know, man. So I started taking little doses and little doses. And I tell everybody the same thing, take really small doses. Uh, if nothing happens, you can increase it until you feel something and then feel what that feels like and before you increase it again. Because if you take a big dose all at once, my buddy in Sedona, his girlfriend did that, and she was like freaked out, saw God, right? So she had a like a psychedelic adventure that she wasn't ready for, and she survived it because it didn't kill her. But she was like, "Don't do that." Uh, so you have to be careful. You know, it depends on what you're making and who makes it. it will determine the strength of it, right? And and so if you get somebody who makes something super strong, a buddy of mine, Tony, she makes this stuff that's really strong. And she makes powder, right? She tr she actually dries it. I make it wet. And I and if I were going to send it to you, I'd ship it to you wet. Um, you can let it dry, and it, but you know, but I like it wet better than the dry because the dry is concentrated. So you have to use a little less of it because when you reconstitute it in some liquid to drink, um, you have to be careful how much you put there because it, it's yeah, reconstituting it. So if I leave it wet, I can see that it's a tablespoon or a teaspoon. You see my point? Uh, but that stuff, once you start feeling it, you would be surprised how quickly it gets into your system. Uh, when you do that, when you feel it, it's like in, in seconds of, after taking it. And then it just, and then it continues to build a little bit longer as your body's absorbing uh, everything that you just uh, uh, ingested. Um, but, you know, I've never had a, like a, I mean, you know, I'm up to at least a tablespoon a day and I'm, I'm you know, I've never really done much more than that because I've never felt like I needed to. But um, there, every time you do it, you're, you're just there's a boost there. Uh, everything is changed. Your everything just heightened awareness. Um, everything, right? So, yeah, it does help. You could try, but you know, like I said, just be careful when you're doing that. And it's expensive. Ormus isn't as expensive. Colonial silver and colonial gold is um, that's very expensive stuff. We were, I was talking about that with the group that I was working with when we just did this last uh, summit last month. And one of the girls said she for the colonial silver water is she's getting ten dollars an ounce. That stuff's very expensive. Right. Uh, so it just depends on where you are, but that's about the going rate. So that stuff's expensive. And Ormus isn't as, as expensive, but it's like 45 to, to 50 to $65, depending on uh, on how much you're buying. But it's only a few ounces, maybe, you know, 10 ounces tops for like 60 bucks. So that stuff's pretty expensive as well. So making it is, you know, my total output for, you know, a five pound box of baking soda, which I transmute from sodium carbon is starting bicarbonate to sodium carbonate. Um, that cost me $3 and 50 cents. So maybe $4 tops for that. And then the salt, I buy five pound bags from the, from the uh, sea salt, uh, San Francisco sea salt uh, company and get 100% pure dead sea salt for, I think it's 20 bucks for five pounds or maybe less pure 100%. Uh, and then it's just the cost of the water. So I either filter it myself or I buy spring water and that's a couple bucks a gallon. So for me to make a, a batch of Ormus that would be about seven ounces of Ormus would probably cost me total of about $1.50. If I bought that amount, it would cost me probably 40 bucks. Colonial Silver is the same. I bought $50 worth of equipment and I've already made 10 times worth that, probably 100 times worth that in, uh, uh, in, in Colonial Silver. And I, I, I'm about now have to buy some more nine volt batteries, but that's it. <laughs> so, that's crazy, right? Yeah, see, that's the hard part is that Rodney says, how do I bypass the FDA? Um, see, that's the hard part. What you, what you have to do is because, because colloidal silver is not actually uh, 
something that they consider anything. And same with Ormus, you don't have to worry about the FDA because because you're selling it as a friend to other people, right? And it's, it's, this is, I'll ask my buddy in Sedona, but I haven't had anybody say anything about having to even worry about that because they don't consider it anything besides magic. They're like, wait a minute. So what you're saying is that you're using this salt and, and sodium carbonate to make magic crystals energy fall out of the salt and you're ingesting that and it gives you some sort of power like you call it mana and and that gives you magic abilities does it i bet you see aliens too don't you right so it's the same thing with colloidal silver they they can't say that it does anything right and and so they won't admit it because if they did people could just make it and sell it what we do anyways so that's just like you know charging money for casting spells or doing a, a, a you know a scrub on somebody, or you know doing a, a poltergeist, getting a poltergeist out of a, a house, an exorcism, you know the people, the government, you know they can't say, well, you're charging people, you have to pay a tax on that. What are you talking about? What am I charging them for again? What are my services? They would have to admit, well, you're using magic, and they don't want magic to be a commodity. They can't do that because if they open up that door, bro, right? So. So that's how we get around it is you're, you're selling something to someone. You're not claiming it does anything. Right. But you tell them this is what it does. So that's, that's, they, they have to admit it. Wait, let's see. What, what are you saying here? Ronnie said, I made batches of, of, of what is that? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Well, see now with that, I don't know how they got after you on that. They decided to, to not sell it because the FDA guidelines. Now, did somebody report you and the FDA said you couldn't sell it? Um, or were you just worried that they were going to, if you sold it, they were going to come after you? So that's the question, right? So, I, you know, I'm not sure. There's got to be a way. Somebody's got to know. I mean, look, the, FB, the FDA, the, the truth is the way you get around the FDA these days is you pay them money. Look at the big pharmaceutical companies. The FDA literally changed their guidelines to nothing natural that occurs on this planet can be construed as medicine. It has to be something that's synthesized by a pharmaceutical company. Who do you think paid money for that little ditty? I would consider more than likely pharmaceutical companies because that's the truth of it. It, it doesn't matter what it is. If it happens naturally on this planet, right? And you, and you take that and then you say it does something, they'll say, well, there is no definitive proof that that does anything. And the, def and the actual definition of medicine is a pharmaceutical grade concoction made by a licensed pharmaceutical company. Do you see? Bear Aspirin, well, the, the company that, that, was, that was Moderna, I believe, the company that made Bear Aspirin used white willow bark originally because white willow bark has that property of aspirin that's what that is but then they synthesized that chemically and now they call it bare aspirin and people take it but it came from the effects of white willow bark and all they did was went in and found a chemical that had the same reaction in your body as the white willow bark and then they may patent it and called it something and now that's an aspirin that takes care of headaches but you can still take white willow bark and do the same thing crush it up and take the powder Okay, that's where they, they don't want to, they don't want you to know, but that's why that guy that made that book that said home remedies that they don't want you to know about. And then they sued him. The federal government of the United States sued him and made him say, in my opinion, after every word. And when he said that, people stopped buying his book because he had to say, in my opinion, in my opinion, in my opinion, by law. Because, so 
so that might be a way of getting around it. You know, I'm not claiming this does anything, right? In, in my opinion, or put their disclaimer there, according to the Food and Drug Administration, this does nothing, right? There is no definitive proof that this does anything. That's why they do, they say now on stuff like that, that's natural, they say vitamin supplement, right? Or they'll just say supplement. And then it'll, when you read on the bottle what it says, you claim it does, but then you say, I'm not a physician or a doctor, and there's no medical proof that this does anything. Anyone who's out there buying that product knows the same thing that I know. Whenever someone says to you there is no definitive proof, they're lying to you. Okay? Or it's a talking point, and that's why they're saying that. There is no definitive proof that that does anything. Really? Vitamin C. Citric acid. There is no definitive proof that does anything, not unless it was made by a pharmaceutical company. Do you see? So there is nothing in the world that happens naturally that they will say does anything. So if you put the disclaimer on there, according to the Food and Drug Administration, this doesn't do anything. Anyone who's going to say, and go, well, I'm not buying that then, that's not for them anyway, bro. You're going to find that the community that you're looking for for that stuff is going to know that, and they're going to go, they may even ask, why do you put this on there? Because if I don't, the Food and Drug Administration is going to sue me because I'm claiming it does something that they don't agree with. And I don't have a, a billion dollars to line their pockets with to get them to look the other way. But the pharmaceutical companies do. Do you see? That's how that all works out. Right? So, okay, so I, I was worried that I read about an Amish father getting put in prison because of an herbal cream he made uh, because he said it cures cancer. Well, see, that means he didn't relent and he said it cured cancer. If you had to put on there somewhere, this, you know, there is no definitive proof and the FDA does not approve this, that this does anything at all. If you put that on there, then the people are making a choice. It's just like they do with cigarettes, right? They give you a cigarette and they tell you on there that the, that the, you know, the surgeon general warns that if you smoke these, you might die of cancer or have uh, childbirth defects if you're pregnant. So they tell you this is a drug that could kill you. Here it is. And they sell it to us. People smoke every day, cigarettes, knowing that it could kill them. I used to smoke. I miss it. I enjoyed smoking. Now I don't. I, I, I think it was just the oral fixation of doing it, and I did it for so long. It was a habit. You know, it becomes a habit. You're, you're chasing that high. It's like crack. Smoking a cigarette, you chase that one high you get in the very first time that you smoke a cigarette. Or the very first few times you take a drag off of a cigarette. From that point on, it's it's a, it's crack. You're chasing that high that you'll never ever achieve again, uh, and and you just and then you're addicted to the nicotine that's in there, just like you do with caffeine when you get addicted to the caffeine, right? But it tastes good, yeah. <laughs> right, right. It tastes good. That's the truth of it. I like the taste that I smoked camels because I love that 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 uh, uh, that taste of that that tobacco, uh, and then I was rolling my own and I love drum. That German tobacco, it was a barley cut. Oh, man, that was good tasting stuff. The smoke came out like this blue-gray color, not like the regular cigarette smoke that comes out of your mouth. That was the greatest tasting stuff. I loved that. Even my pipe, when I was smoking a pipe. <laughs> On a pipe, yeah, that was good stuff. I love natural American spirits as well. Which one did you do? I had the blue one. Is it the, the blue one, not the green one? The blue green one was menthol. The blue one was the one. And then the yellow one was pretty good too. When they first came out, I don't know if they still have them that way. But when American spirits first hit the market back in 2000 or whenever that was, um, I remember they were cheap. And man, they tasted good. Those were good cigarettes, brother. Yeah. Yeah, nicotine is, uh, Kevin says, let me put that on the screen for those of you. N nicotine is, is the most addictive drug. It was the hardest thing I had to quit. And I did a lot of drugs. 
right? I did, I did, I did a lot of drugs and nicotine was the hardest. I still drink alcohol, but I can, you know, I can give that up. I've done that. Okay. I've done with it for a while. And I go two, three years and I go, oh, I'm going to have a drink. Right. But it's, it's easy to get, I get done with it. I'm an asshole for three or four days. Cigarettes. You're talking a month, man. It's a long come down off of that. I actually, um, they banned them in the United States, but I used the the little thing that looks like the um, the filter that people would put on the cigarettes, especially in the 60s, if you're old enough to remember that or see the movies. The 40s, 50s, and 60s, they had that little filter they would put on the end of the cigarette and use that. It was that, only it screwed in the middle of it came open, and you had this little teeny round drum, and it had aluminum foil on the top and bottom, and you could see a little cotton ball in the center. That cotton ball had nicotine on it, and you put that in there, and when you pushed it down and turned it, it poked into that. You would just inhale it and you would just breathe air through it and you get nicotine at the same time. Um, for some reason, they banned that in the United States. But uh, luckily, I had some of that when I was in Arizona. So when I moved there uh, back in 2015, yeah, 2015, uh, I actually um, was able to uh, use that to get off of smoking because I, I would have that with me in my pocket and I would suck on it. And, and if I needed a new one, I'd put it in and pop it in there and, and suck on it. And so you didn't even have the smoke like you do from vaping now. It's nothing. You just go... <sighs> And then no one even saw it. They should have kept that. They probably banned that because they knew vaping was coming out because that was just starting. And they knew that that was going to be the next biggest market. So don't get people hooked on something where there is no smoke. Let's get them doing something where there's a smoke. And then we have the problem we have today. If they would have done that, they could have had every flavor known to mankind and there would have been no problems because there is no smoke. You would just inhale and exhale and have the taste. That, that would be, they should do that now, right? I should go after that now. There's a thought for you guys want to make money. But see, all of that, the addictions, all of that has to do, let's let's round this back to the law of one. What is all of that designed for? It's designed to keep us addicted. When they want us addicted to different things, anything, everything, it doesn't matter. There's an addiction for you out there in the universe, whatever you're, you can. We're human, so we have an addictive personality. It's not that certain races or certain people have an addictive personality. Everyone, we are humans. We, we are addicted to everything because of the distraction, right? Coffee, cigarettes. I love coffee. I still drink coffee. But I'm going to have to start going to decaf because, I mean, now I mean, I've had this much coffee all day, and my energy level is already like this anyways. Right. So I can't take very much coffee because I'm already freaking like I'm on crack all the time. That's just the way my family is. We're, we're balls to the wall from the second we open our eyes until we, we drop in the grave. Uh, we talk fast. We think fast. We move fast. Everything we do is, is really just, you know, but it's funny because I love uh, on the contrast. Like I grew up while listening to baseball on the radio because my grandfather always played it on, on the radio. And so I still love to listen to and watch baseball. And my son was over and I said, woo, baseball season is about to start. And he goes, oh, man, I can't do baseball. He says, it moves too slow for me, man. It's so slow. I can't do that. And I looked at him. And I said, I watch baseball because it's that slow. Right. Because it, in, the, in the knowing my family. We have to have something. My father taught me that you have to you have to use Zen at some point and slow your roll. Right. If you can do that and you can stay grounded and you can go balls to the wall, but you also have to know when to bring it down and when to, and to be able to come back down to that peaceful connection with the earth. So you have to find something. And um, so baseball is like my Zen. I could be crazy. One day I was watching NASCAR. And I turned on baseball and I was like, oh, I cannot watch this. My brain was at 200 miles an hour with cars, you know, crashing into each other and going by each other and passing this chess game and all this fast sport, hot, like a hockey on, on wheels. 
and then I turned on baseball and, and you're sitting there waiting for the pitch and you're like, Oh my God, this is three commercial breaks in one pitch, you know, but that's what your brain gets to. So you have to be able to do that. So I'll turn on baseball and leave it on. And, you know, if you go to a game, it's, it's, in fact, when you go to a game, it, you, you miss stuff because the, it's not like television, television, you're sitting there and you're like, this is boring. You go to a game and you're like, what did I just miss? Did I miss that pitch? What just happened? Because, because the, it's totally faster in person than it is on the air when, because there's no one, the guys are talking in between pitches in your ear or if you're watching the television and they're they're filling time while they're waiting for the pitch so they're saying stuff so what happens is they're talking like you're they're watching golf right so they're talking they're not whispering but they're really they're very you know they're just like swing into this you know the last time these two guys met was in 1987 they were on the all-star game together and they pitched this guy pitched a no hitter in that game you aware of that? Yeah, I was in that game. Oh, that's right. You were, weren't you? Okay. So here comes pitch number two. It was a great slider, that one. Strike in there for a strike. That's that because of the way they talk, it makes that sound like there's 20 minutes in between pitches. When you're at the game, you're there, you're talking to your friends, the fans are there, you're looking around, you're seeing people, and you're and you're if you're not paying attention, you know, you miss the game is a lot faster in person than it is in, in on television. <clears throat> when you're on the radio, you have no visuals, and I'm aware of that. That's why I make sure that when I'm showing things, I also say them because there's, you know, I have a bigger audience that listen to this on the MP3 uh, podcast broadcast, and they have no visuals. So everything I do, I have to say, and if I show you guys say something on the screen, I have to read it. I'm not just trying to read it just because I'm trying to answer you. I'm reading it out loud so the people that are hearing the show that don't have the visual understand why I'm making the comments that I'm making, right? Right, and here, what is Tony saying here? Let's put him up on the screen here. He says, ha-ha, my mom and dad drank tea after tea after tea. I prefer coffee. I love both, right? Um, but I won't have, uh, but I won't have more than two or three max, and, and I'll go, I'll go days without, without. But today, I've enjoyed a few cans of Monster Energy. I used to drink Monster Energy too, as well. Um, some caffeine crack in that. Yeah, it's, it's, that stuff. Monster Energy, uh, like Nos. Nos is like crack in a in a in a bottle, isn't it? I used to do uh, a lot of that stuff when I was working construction. I would do that. I would drink Monster. I would drink Nos. All those energy drinks just to keep everything you know frosty. But um, I don't need it mentally, right? So when I would get going on that stuff, I would you know people would think that I was wired to the gills on crank. I used to do that stuff when I was younger. You should have saw me. You think people look, talk to me, you know, now they go, dude, are you like on drugs? No, this is me normally without drugs, but you must be on all kinds of caffeine. No, no. I've had like two sips of caffeine all day. Right. I, and this is just me from the time I wake up until I go to sleep and, and my family is this way. So we're, we're either, you know, we're not ADD either. Right. Or ADHD. We're none of that, but we're just, our brains just move really fast. When we talk to each other, we get talking so fast. It's an Irish trait, I know, for one. It is a Celtic trait. That's why they joke about the Irish gypsies, because they talk so fast that, that they have an accent and people don't understand them. <clears throat> when Guy Ritchie did um, did the, the movie, um, what one was? It wasn't Locks Talking to Smoking Barrels. It was the other one, um, Snatch, uh, with the Mickey O'Neill's character, Mickey O'Neill, O'Neill, right? Uh, Leonard O'Neill, Mickey O'Neill, uh, his character played by Brad Pitt on the DVD, they had a, what they called Pikey Come Again uh, subtitles. 
that only uh, would turn on to tell you what the gypsies were saying, and especially uh, Brad Pitt's character, because his he did the accent so well, he actually went and lived there uh, with those people to understand them and had them teach them their speech patterns and had coaches teaching him that thick Irish accent with the very fast paced. And my family talks like that. And uh, we talk with an American accent, uh, except for when we're drinking. Then <laughs> right? we lose our American accent and the whole family starts all of a sudden going freaking Cockney Irish. And people go, where did that come from? That's just them losing the ability to speak American English uh, or English English. So, but we get, we hit a tone, we hit a speed that people don't understand. I had a girl that came, her name was Afy. Um, she was a, an exchange student when I was managing a frame shop in Berkeley, California. That's there just northeast of San Francisco, right across the water. And <clears throat> for those of you who don't know the Bay Area of San Francisco, I was managing a frame shop there and an art shop, art gallery frame shop. And she was an exchange student. She was going to Cal Berkeley and she came to get a job. One of her friends brought her to me because she knew that me being O'Neill uh, and that you have to meet him. He's a really good guy and he's Irish and he would love to see you. And I immediately fell in love with her. She was great. She was straight from Ireland and she had this super thick Irish gypsy accent, really fast paced. And she would start talking and people would not even understand her words and they would bring her to me. If he's mad about something and I don't know what, and I look at her and she'd go, blah, 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 blah. And I would answer her and she would go, okay. And she'd walk off. They're like, you understood what she said? I'm like, yeah, my whole family talks like that. <laughs> my grandmother had that same accent and talked like that. So, so I understood every word she said and she loved it. And so then her father came to meet me because and he was just the same, right? And he, so he's the reason that she ended up over here because he was here and she came as an exchange student stayed with her father. So then he, he came in to meet me and he was in love with me as well. I love them. We were, we we're great buddies. Uh, but I only had her for as long as I did. And she ended up leaving. I ended up leaving that company. And I don't know what happened to her, but hopefully she made it here to stay uh, in the States. But she was great. People didn't understand a word she said, man, not a single word. And I understand every word she was saying. That's what happens when my family gets together and we start talking. People go, well, wait a minute. They just hit that language. And the same thing happens in spirituality. And, and Jacqueline, if she's still in the crowd, she'd tell you that her and I, when we get together and we start talking spiritually, uh, we start hitting that 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 high range of spirituality. And and the words, all of a sudden, people don't understand them, but we understand them. And, they're, they're, and they've actually said, it. I, I don't even know what you guys are saying now. Are you guys even speaking English? We're like, yeah, we are. We're just talking about we're just talking on a spiritual level now. And so the words we're using are, are we understand the meaning of what we're saying to each other. Whereas if you don't, so it's esoteric. So if you don't understand and you're not at that level of spirituality, truthfully, you don't understand what we're saying. We sound foreign to you or crazy or both. Uh, so, you know, and that plays out when we were doing that, with my partner in Virginia at the time who we were pulling off the, the Earth Day thing together, uh, her mom was in the, in the room uh, and walked by and heard uh, uh, Jacqueline and myself talking and she said, are they speaking English? She actually couldn't understand us. First of all, we were talking fast, right? Because Jacqueline is a very fast speaker as well as, as I am, you know that. But then we were at that level saying those words that we understood and Virginia laughed and said, yes, mother, they're speaking perfectly good English. You just don't understand the words that they're saying. And she's like, it didn't sound like English, it sounded like a foreign language. Well, that's kind of what happens. Yes, for eyes to for the eyes that see and the ears that hear, it's esoteric. Um, so that's what raw is. 
And, you know, and it's not, I'm not trying to say that I know something you guys don't, but I'm, I'm at a place, first of all, because of physics being my major in college, I understand the lingo that is being used. I understand that language, right? I do the same thing with my nephew who mathematically is past where I ever was. Uh, he's just now 18 and he's doing, uh, you know, he's like on 10th, you know, 10th year college math. Right already, and he hasn't even gotten to college yet. He's being tutored, and we're all oh, he's a genius. So is his brother, and <clears throat> he can speak to the math in a way that I don't understand. But if he puts it, you know, he, he's even shown it to me, and I'm like, okay, I see your formula, but I'm not quite understanding it. Where's your synopsis? Give me the thesis, and he does, and I understand that completely. So theoretical, because I was a theoretical physicist, I was never applied. So the math to me, uh, um, I understand most of it, but, but I don't understand um, totally when you get into the into the places where we shouldn't be anyways, into the fractals. Uh, we shouldn't be there anyways. That's, that system of counting is wrong. One through 10 is the wrong way of counting. We're supposed to count from one through 12. We're supposed to count by 12s, not by 10s. 10s are easy for stupid people. Right. Easy for the people who are just learning because they're even 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. And when you get to 100, that's just 10 with another zero. Right. 110, 120. And then you go 200, 300. So you just you're just using the same digits and adding a zero, a zero, a zero, a zero and a comma after every three so that you can count the three spaces faster and know that you're into the millions, billions, trillions. Right. But that gives you fuzzy math, and you have to guesstimate, and then you have fractals. If you if you do things by 12s and get your mindset by the 12s, right, that when you count by 12s instead, you still have the same stuff. It's just now there's more numbers to memorize, but they're all going to be 12s, 12, 24, 36, 48, okay? So those you will memorize. You'll get used to it. That's the way that most people do math in the universe. And when people come to earth and they're teaching people, they keep trying to teach them to do by 12, not by 10. So, so it was changed on purpose so that we would be not as smart and we wouldn't figure things out. Pi, we can't calculate because we're calculating by 10. So we have, you know, that we, we realize there's an infinite digits there, infinitesimal digits. We cannot calculate it to the, to the single digit. If we were using uh, one through 12, instead of 22 over seven, or is that what it is? 27 over 22, 22 over seven. Instead of doing that and we're calculating it by 12s, it would be, it would probably be one. <laughs> it would probably be one, not, not 3.141579, whatever off until three more times. And then you hit the infinity button, right? You hit the, you hit the three, 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 or you hit to the third power, you know, uh, 10 times to the third power and let it roll. Um, you know, and it would be easier. All of our math would be easier. So when it gets into that, I just go, okay, I'm not going to go after all that crazy math. It's just another language. You just said, I was explaining that to him. Math is, is a language, just like English, just like Spanish, just like German. Uh, and you have symbols that mean that. If you actually learn that in your mind's eye, you'll have an easier way with learning math. And he was like, I never looked at it that way. And I'm like, you need to look at it that way. Everything is like that because everything is, is a uh, octave. Everything is music. It's sound. It's a vibration. So if you actually get that into your head and start realizing that with everything, everything you see is a vibration. Everything you hear is a vibration. Literally, it's a vibration. Your brain, a little tuning fork in here, picks up that vibration and translates that to your brain into words or into sounds. Your eyes do the same thing with what you're seeing. Comes in. The vibration hits the back of your eyes. That changes the little tuning fork in there. The light itself 
paints that picture, your brain sees that and translates that into what you're seeing, words, pictures, sound, smells, all of that. All of your senses are all that. They're just vibrations on, from one way or another. So that is, that's what the law of one is trying to portray to you, to tell you, is that everything is a sound, it's a vibration, and once you get that in your repertoire, uh, you can then have an easier time to move up faster in your uh, vibration. Because then when you're getting back to, like you were asking about the armus helping with your chakras, you'll do that more naturally because you'll understand that your chakras are a vibration. So if you understand that it's just a vibration, you then have to tune that. And each one of us has to tune our own. You can have people help you, um, but they have to have the ability to see your, your chakras and how they're out of tune. And, you know, they, as, if you watch the, the uh, show on Earth Day, you see that Agung had a, a, a machine hooked to an app that actually did that. Very expensive, like $1,500 for each one. But yeah, it's a musical scale change, change from, let's see, what are we talking about here, right? Musical scale change from 432 hertz scale to 440 hertz, right? <laughs> yeah. So with everything is that, you know, it, you can even take that. And um, I've talked about that before, where you take the uh, uh, the study, you can look this up, the study of, um, uh, Peter, welcome. I didn't see you in there, buddy. Um, the, you can take the study of uh, where they took salt because it's crystalline. Salt is crystals. And crystals uh, can be manipulated with, with sound. And they, they put them on a plate, and underneath the plate was, uh, was the speaker, and they, they manipulated the uh, frequency of sound, right? Like you were talking about from different hertz, the 432 hertz, 440 hertz, and they manipulated that. And when they get to certain frequencies, the salt will start to vibrate on its own. And then when you tuned in a frequency to a, to a set point, the, all of the salt would move spontaneously and create a geometric shape. And that was the actual physical geometric shape that is associated with that particular harmonic ratio, that harmonic resonance. And then if you changed it and kept going again, it would change to a different harmonic resonance. Okay. Um, that's, that's the, the theory, the working theory with some of us behind crop circles. I've been told by people who talk to their spirit guides that it's it is UFOs and it's the it's the signature of that particular UFO that landed in that particular field at that particular time because the all of those uh, sound waves created uh, and changed that. Sorry, I'm looking out the window because I see people. There was somebody playing in the dirt. It was this woman picking up her child who was playing in the tan bark across the street in the parking lot. I'm like, what is going on over there? <clears throat> So, so the, the, uh, the frequencies, right now I'm losing my train of thought again, the, the frequencies change and modulate and would, would manipulate the sand. So that does that with us too, is my point. It does that with your chakras. Uh, everything can be tuned because your chakras uh, become crystalline. And, and, and the, so when you get them tuned to the right place, believe it or not, you know, you have crystals within you. My buddy, Tony Taylor, who I wish I could get back on here. She's going through a lot in her life right now. Um, and I'm hoping that she'll, be, she'll um, you know, heal and be able to come back on. She was actually able to get, you know, she could take her hand and show it to you. And it would glisten in the sun. She had, you know, little teeny crystals 
uh, in her sweat glands, in, in her tear ducts, because she is vibrating to a, a really high level. She's starting to get to a transitional place of, of you know, uh, literally going from this third dimension into the fourth dimension. So she's really, really super close. And, and uh, the other person that I wish I could get on here is Daniel uh, Doria, Daniel Dunn. I wish I could get him back on too, because he's another one. He's, he starts, he can see past, present, and future as uh, one. Uh, so he he has that. I get those deja vus as well. The higher your vibration, the closer you get to that level, the more you start having deja vus because you're starting to to see the past, the present, and the future all, all at the same time. So you'll have a conversation with somebody and you realize I've already had this conversation with them. I have a complete memory of it. And you'll say that to them and they'll go, no, we've never had this conversation. But even that part was in your memory. Right. And you know what's coming next and you have to just patiently wait it out <laughs> because people get mad when you jump ahead. You know the answer already. You know what they're going to say and you and you answer it. And they're like, will you please let me ask the question before you do that? In your mind, you're just wasting time. Right. But in their mind, you're being rude. <laughs> so you have to kind of look at that. Right. Um, water is even crystal. Yes, Ronnie. Everything is uh, crystalline. Truthfully, uh, you know, at some point of its vibration everything transmutes, I think, into a crystalline matter. Uh, and I think that's part of, uh, and, and the Rodney's on to it, I think that's part of our reality, uh, is that one day we'll realize that with everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this is also how meditation does affect us, Rodney says, right? This is also how meditation, meditation does affect us. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you meditate, you're literally, you're raising your uh, consciousness and you're raising the vibration of your body and you're tuning yourself uh, at that point, you know, to become mind, body, one, you know, the totality. So you're not just a mind, body, uh, soul complex, but then you're the mind, body, soul complex totality, right? The one, the orb, the, the all. And if you can achieve that, right? Mochizidek talks about that. If you can achieve the the meditation, even while awake state of your life, which I'm very close and I didn't realize I was until I started watching him talk about it and uh, you, where you meditate even when you're awake and you're walking around, you're still meditating. And when you hit that state, um, it's almost euphoric because you realize you're in that state. And so that's when you become more present in the now. You know, people talk about that. Be conscious of being present in the, in the now um, and experience this. Uh, right. So that's part of that as well. When you get to that level, I'm not 100 percent there. I know that it'll take me a while. It's a it's a long uh, process for all of us. We're all a work in progress, in progress. But that means the word very word progress means progress means to move forward. Right. It means moving forward, not being stale or or uh, uh, or stagnant. So. That's that's part of the law of one. That's part of living that. I'll be going over that more so on the 22nd of May in this next event that we're putting on uh, that I'm putting together. And there's only there's only seven of us speaking. Um, yeah, there's seven of us that are speaking. And the and the entire operation that entire day is going to be about waking you know awakening people. Uh, uh, to that reality of spirituality and spiritualism, but from uh, from the base level all the way up, we're going to be speaking to the entire range, not just not just. Normally, what we work for is just try and go for what Marlin says. You know, the the lions, welcome, wake the lions. Um, that's what I've been been doing. That's what I'm a beacon. 
not the only beacon, but there's millions of us out there. I just happen to be one of them. That is a beacon for the wanderers and those who are ready to wake, those who are from here that are ready to wake up. Uh, and I become a beacon. You guys find me. The universe makes sure that somehow you find me when I'm speaking or you find my show somewhere or I'll go live and you go, I don't even know who this guy is, but what he's talking about kind of resonates and, and you just kind of sit in and listen and you go, wow, that was kind of cool. It's because you were supposed to, you were supposed to find that the universe brings people to me that need to hear what I have to say to help them to remember who they are and then go be able to go forward from that to do what it is that you were supposed to do that you came here to do. Right. So my job isn't to try and, you know, Jesus say and Mohammed say we're trying to save everyone. I'm trying to save everyone, but I'm not I'm not trying to sacrifice myself as an example. I'm here to wake up the lions who will, who will pull their weight. And together with everyone who wakes up, we can hit the seminal point faster and harder, um, even though we've been using the long game for thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of years because we didn't have the internet. And now that we have the internet, we can speed up horse quite a bit and reach far, far more people and each other. So that's why we're at this point, we're just hitting walls to the wall, pardon my language, but we got the, we got the pedal to the metal, you know, we're, we're, we're hitting the floor and um, we're going for the juggler because it's here, we can do it. So I'm, I'm hard pressing those people wake up and uh, see what's going on. Remember who you are. And I do everything I can do to help that. And once that happens within you, you won't need me anymore because you'll become me. You'll start understanding what you need to do. I'm just here to give you the tools to help you with that. And once you get there, I give you the tools to help you defend yourself. And then you go out and you do the same thing that I'm doing in some way. Each of us brought a reason of how our genre is, our our own way of doing that. We have all, you know, some people write books, some people sing, some people uh, write movies, some people don't do anything, but they join clubs and groups, and you know what I mean. Every one of us, I'm I particular do this. I've written books, but I've also found that I that I'm a very good speaker. And, you know, like Greg uh, from uh, Open Loops, I was just on his show and I get his uh, a copy of the MP3 file and put it on my MP3 podcast. Um, he was He's into hypnotism and he was like, whoa, bro, I don't even know if you know this. And I said, I didn't. I didn't understand. I kind of had the idea of being being the druid, being the Merlin, being the bard. I had I had the idea and understanding of magic work and you know, the songs of the druid um, being uh, manifestations in in uh, songs uh, for the long haul. The Druid way of thinking is is infinity is is infinite. So the way our way of thinking is, you nudge somebody off course ten thousand years ago, and when they reach now, it's going to be a million miles off course. Whereas if you try to make them a million miles off course back then, they're not going to get that to happen. There's too much pushback. So you can nudge things slowly and and play the long game, and that's our philosophy. And in doing that. Part of that is that what we call the weirding way, which is using your voice. And he said, you don't, you didn't think you knew much about hypnosis. And I said, no, I really didn't until I watched the show where he was interviewing uh, Corey Love. And they were talking about that. And I was like, oh, all right. So uh, there's my clarification. I already understand hypnosis because I use it daily. I, and I and I didn't realize that that was what the, it was. You know, hypnosis was, you know, it was not taught to me as hypnosis. Uh, but it's, but it is, you know, I use this voice in the, in the tone of my voice and the words and the inflection of my voice and, and my cadence is done on purpose. And, and when I uh, put, uh, you know, uh, 
special uh, interest on a word uh, that I do that on purpose. And so that's why sometimes I talk like I've been doing here and people go, dude, you're like way off of the law of one and you're not making any sense. No, I'm not right now to you, but trust me, everything that I have to say has to do with what we were talking about earlier. I never ramble on it at all. I have, I have an agenda for everywhere I go. And sometimes I channel that. Sometimes I'll go back and watch my show and go, wow, I don't even remember I said that. That was brilliant. Right. And, and I realized that I didn't because I was actually in a trance and channeling. That happens when I write my book. I do the same thing. I channel that information. So I know that some of what I'm saying is coming from my higher self. Right. So the words that are flowing through me are not just thoughts that I'm thinking up. It's literally channeling from the universe to say the right words at the right time. It was like Moses when he said, you know, when the when the the one said, Moses, you need to go and talk to the Pharaoh and you need to do this. And he says, you know, my Lord, I don't have those words. I wouldn't know the right words to say. How would I know what words to say? And God said to Moses, you will know the words because I will give them to you. And you will say the right words when you need to. And he did. And he was confident. And he went back to Egypt. And every time he met with the Pharaoh or anyone from that point after, the words that came out of his mouth, uh, you know, you would have thought that he was, you know, was a, somebody who wasn't very intelligent. And then all of a sudden he was the most brilliant genius philosophically uh, or orally, you know, speaking wise. And, but it was God speaking through him. He allowed that to happen. Okay, and I trust that when I, and I tell people, I tell everyone all of, all the time, the second that you give over yourself and stop trying to fight nature, stop trying to fight the universe, and stop trying to think that you're in control of everything, and realize that we are in control of almost everything, but the way things flow is different than the way we think. And that's because it's been taken from us. So if you give in to when you give in to the universe itself and you say, you know what, I'm not going to work against the universe anymore. I want to work with the universe. I want peace. I want tranquility. I want balance. And you seek those things and you allow, instead of worrying about everything all the time, keep it in your mind. It's still there. You got to pay the bills. You got to do that stuff that you have to do, but you don't have to be that. Don't have to be that. You're not your job. You're not your bills. You don't have to be that. Okay. What you are is in here. It's in here and in here, in your head, in your in your thoughts, in your mind, and in your heart. That's who you are. And, and you have to discover that. You have to work within yourself to, to be and be honest with yourself. And that's what they call you know the dark night of the soul. You have to go in and do soul work, that dark work where you have to to work on yourself and fix yourself. You can't look at other people and say there's something wrong with them when you don't admit that you have a problem. That's like somebody sitting here and I've had this happen. Somebody sitting there with a cigarette and talking to me about being an alcoholic. And I'm like, you, you didn't even realize that you're sitting there smoking a cigarette while you tell me that, right? You shouldn't drink. It's bad for you. It's going to kill you. Puff, puff, puff on my cigarette. Well, you're, you're, you have an addiction yourself. How can you talk about addictions when you're doing it yourself? addictions are bad you shouldn't do that puff 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 right I'm like yeah no i'm not i'm not i can't that would be like i can't i can't take you serious when you're that's like a, a, a drunk person who's drunk at the time talking to somebody smoking a cigarette man you know that stuff's gonna kill you you should quit doing that buddy and maybe i have a drink you know what i mean you're gonna that's how you sound you sound stupid and silly 
if you're you know, on anything, right? And you're trying to tell somebody they have a problem. You're sitting there eating potato chips and popcorn while you're telling somebody you shouldn't smoke those cigarettes and drink that alcohol. I'm addicted to salt and crunchy shit, right? And snacks and sugar. And I'm over here trying to tell you, you have an addiction. So, so that's the distraction. That's the things we have to see about ourselves and have to admit to ourselves. Is it okay? Well, yeah, it, it, in truth, all of it's okay unless it kills you, right? So if your main line is smack, right, or you're snorting up half of the Peru with the cocaine, then, you know, eventually that can kill you. Why? Well, because the cocaine breaks down an aorta in your heart. Eventually that thing explodes. When it explodes, you die. And, you know, people like Bill Paxton from doing all the cocaine had to go in and have surgery done to repair that. And it exploded while he was on the table and he died. Right. So that's what happens. You, there's, there's always a pay, there's something you have to pay whenever there's a, whenever there's, you know, that, that whole, if there's a, if you push, there's always a, a resistance. So if you're doing drugs, there's a price to pay. Whatever you do in life, there's a price to pay for that. Right. So you have to be willing to decide for yourself. Is it worth that? I still drink alcohol. I still drink coffee. People tell me those are going to kill me. Well, everything's going to kill me. Life is going to kill me eventually. Right. So you have to determine that about yourself. Those are the things you have to admit to yourself and, and figure that out. And once you do that, you'll find your tastes will change. And, and it'll do that in, your, in a way that you won't be expecting. Uh, even your food taste, taste in books, movies, whatever, right? Yeah, if you give, if you give away your own power, here, this is what, what Kevin says, if you give away your own power, you're being a slave. Absolutely, right? So, and that's the truth of it. If you allow someone to take something from you or you give that up, then you're a slave to it, first of all. Uh, and if somebody orchestrated that, you're a slave to them because they orchestrated that. Right? And so let's see, what, what, is, what does Tony say here? I'm glad to say that uh, above everything that comes uh, out being relevant, as, as I sometimes think I uh, get off the topic, right? I'm talking to someone about, uh, I feel like uh, what comes out is all relevant. What what star sign do you happen to be? Oh, I'm a Virgo. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Virgo. I was born September 10th. Uh, but that's on the on the Greco-Roman calendar, the 12-month calendar, uh, after they raped all the, after the Caesars took all the days, Octavius Caesar, Julius Caesar, Octavius Caesar, Septus Caesar, Caesar right? So you had, you had uh, July, August, September, and, and October. All of those were Caesars, right? Those months were for the different Caesars. You had, you know, uh, uh, Julius uh, Septus, um, uh, October is uh, uh, Octus, or what was his name? Octavius uh, in November, not, not November. But they, they told, stole days because they all wanted to have the most days in their month. And when they did that, they ended up robbing from one month. And it turned out that month, there was originally 13 28-day months based on the moons, uh, the, the lunar orbit around the Earth. And if you go by that calendar, I'm a Leo, right? So that becomes the quadruple Leo to my name. So it depends on what you're looking at. I'm a Virgo on the 12-month calendar and a Leo under the – so I'm sort of – I'm actually a cusp either way. So I'm a cusp Leo Virgo because of that. Because, but even though it's the 10th of September and you would think that's almost dead center, it's it's the cusp of, of the Leo because because that 28 days comes into that area. So I'm at the, like the 31, 31st day if you had all the 28 days or something like that. Um, so, but yeah, that gives me the, the analytical and the gift to gab partially there. And then being born Celt, you know, half Celt, then that gives you my, my more. And then the Vikings were the same way, boisterous, loud, obnoxious, talking all the time. Right. So I got it, I got it from all sides. 
hang out from all sides. It's in my DNA, the gift of gab. And Leo, that's that's why I was um, well, I was just talking about this on the show. I, when I was baptized, um, I never got baptized until I was in my 40s. And that, that's when I got knighted by the Roman Catholic Church. Um, I was baptized, and I wanted I wanted Gabriel because I had an older brother who died. His name was Gabriel, and that's also the you know the Archangel Gabriel. And the nun said um, Leo, Saint Leo, and I was like, okay, but I still want Gabriel. So I got baptized, Leonard Edward Gabriel Leo O'Neill. That's my Christian name. Uh, and so I can use any one of those names. Well, Leo is, you know, Leonard, the, the you know, acronym for Leonard is Leo. The, the nickname for Leonard is Leo, L-E-O, Leo. Leo, Leonard means lion heart. Leo is the Greek word for a lion, right? My initials are L-E-O, Leonard Edward O'Neill, Leo, right? So there's another Leo. So my name means lion heart, guardian, Edward means guardian, and Neil is, is champion. So the O on there means bloodline of or family of champion. So my name is the champion of the people. So my name literally is a title. That's a very Druidic Merlinic thing, right? So my name is literally Lionheart, guardian, champion of the people. And then if you add Leo into the mix, right? You add that in there. Leo's the patron saint of speech message, what I'm doing now. Do you understand? So, so the nun got that. So the nun added Leo in as my, one of my Christian names uh, for the patron saint of message delivery, <laughs> right? And that's what I do. So I got Leo just my whole life. It's like quadruple Leo, Leo under the sun sign. My name's Leo. I am, you know, I am a Leo and Leo lion heart, right? Initials are Leo and I was baptized Leo. So, so my, my job is, is definitely lion, <laughs> right? Like Leonidas, the, the Greek king. Leonidas is Greek for the word lion heart. What that means, right? So, what do we have here? Let me put this up on the screen. Tony says, uh, Ah, right, fascinating. I have heard about uh, 13, 28 day months. <clears throat> I also believe that I have some Celtic connection. My my uh, maternal nana was Smith, more than likely, then. That's very European. That's, you know, that's the, the word Smith comes from somebody who was a Smith. And that's what they did. They made weapons, armor, swords, tools. They were a Smith. Uh, and, you know, the Europeans were very, uh, um, you know, very smart about their names, right? All the names met with a trade that they did, right? And then the, then the Vikings were always the son of, right? The Irish do the same thing with the mick this and the oh that. It means, you know, son of or, or bloodline of. So the, so the Europeans and the, and the Vikings were, you know, that's why you had like Leif Erikson because his father was Eric. So Erikson is the last name. Right. And, and so Leaf was the Leaf. But then they always gave that part where that way you knew who they were. Right. You knew that because, you know, because. The, but see, I would be unfortunately you know, because I'm a junior, I would be Leonard Leonardson. Right. In the in the Viking tradition, because my father was Leonard. Um, so that would be weird. Right. It'd be Leonard Leonardson. So the Europeans did that where if there was everybody, you know, because especially during the time when people were naming their children uh, from the Bible. You would have 35 Michaels, 35 Josephs, right? So then you would do, well, what does Joseph do? Joseph Smith, Smithy or Smith, right? He's the Smith brewer. He's the guy that brews beer, right? So that's where a lot of the last names came from. Uh, farmer, things like that. Those those names came from that. Like, I mean, if you look at, at uh, let's go to the Vikings, the TV show, right? If Peter's still in the audience, he can tell you this because he was an actor on that show from start to finish. Uh, you know, um, that um, Ragnar 
Northbrook. That that actually means, I don't know if you know what that means, right? Ragnar is his name, but Northbrook actually means soggy pants or soggy bottom. Right? He actually he actually made his own pants and they didn't fit him well. And he had what we call a cracker butt here in America. He didn't have much of a butt. So when he put his pants on, they hang down and it almost looked like he had a poop in his butt uh, because he made his own uh, clothing. So they called him Northbrook, Ragnar Northbrook. So Ragnar, soggy pants, soggy bottom. So everybody knew who he was. That was his nickname, right? So that's what he went by. And that's why you had, you know, like Bjorn Ironside. Bjorn means bear, right? Bjorn is bear. That's the, the, the uh, Viking word. It's actually still the, the, the uh, Svenska word for bear, Bjorn. Right. And then Ironside, you know, there was a, a cinnamon to that. And the brother, uh, what's his name, um, that they called, uh, um, oh, I can't think of his name, the one that they called the, uh, Ivar, Ivar the Boneless. Ivar the Boneless, they, they always thought that he was crippled. So when they first started the show, they had him with his legs didn't work and he was tied to a board and he just went around on his and was carried on his shield. Uh, and there was there were some rumors that Ivar was carried on a shield. So when they said the boneless, they, they meant he had either the disease where his bones broke very easily or he, did, he was uh, quadriplegic. Uh, and as it turns out, that's not what that meant at all. Ivar with the boneless was because he couldn't get a boner. They found this out and they talked about it on the show. Uh, not during the show, but on some of the um, features from the show that he couldn't get a boner. He couldn't get he couldn't get it up. He was impotent. So they called him Ivar the boneless because he never got laid and he never had sex because he couldn't get it up. And he had that problem. He had that problem on the show. He couldn't get it up, right? But that's why they called him that. Not because he had he didn't have his legs working. They found out that it wasn't that at all. That it was more than likely because he couldn't get a boner. So they called him the boneless, right? And that's why he was so evil and mean because he could never get an erection and it pissed him off. And so he would end up killing and raping and pillaging people. But so that sounds like it. Smith, definitely European, <laughs> right? So. Yeah, so hold on, what are we saying here, right? Funny, funny you mentioned this. I've just had contact with some sisters of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and found out about the founder, Joseph Smith, right, that you could actually be, who knows, you could be related in some way. I mean, but the word Smith, that's like we always say Smith and Jones, right? That's like if you're Irish, the last name O'Rourke is very synonymous. It's like Smith and Jones, and my mother's maiden name is O'Rourke. Uh, and, you know, that's why you watch any movie back, a uh, cowboy western back in the day when they're talking about the, the old, you know, the cavalry or uh, the Union Army. There was always a Sergeant O'Rourke, always. Right. And then, because O'Rourke was just one of those names of Smith and Jones. Everybody knows it. Uh, where O'Neill is not so much Smith and Jones. Right. So Smith. Everybody's named Smith Jones. It's like Lee in in the, the Chinese phone book. Right. There's more Lees in China than there are any other last name. Three quarters of the people in China have the same last name Li, but they're not all related, right? So, <laughs> right? So that's crazy. It's just a weird thing that happens, right? So Julie says the first. She says Tony Jackson, a first Smith in my line here in the U.S. in the 1700s, and married uh, married a, a Hudson from from what's that? Bogthorpe? Is that how you say that? England, after all that time, I'm still 60% Brit. That's funny. That just depends on, on who does what, right? Right, yeah. So, so yeah, you're, you're such a common surname indeed, right? So, you know, when you look at that, 
<laughs> the surname like O'Neill is kind of like that. If you go, if you Google that, right? There's a lot of people that are O'Neill all over. I mean, even Shaquille O'Neill, he spells it N-E-A-L, which is the way my family originally spelled it. Um, but the, well, not originally when they got here to America, they changed it to N-E-A-L um, because of being hunted by the by the by Cromwell and those people back in the day. Um, so that's why I changed it back to N-E-I-L-L because that's the original spelling, right? So, so getting back to a rounding down the law of one, then we'll end it because I'm now an hour and a half over. I started at four and I've gone two and a half hours today. Didn't intend to do that, but that's okay. Um, you know, the point here is that looking at ourselves, let me round the rest of this back with the names and our heritage. You know, there's a, a major part of, because of who you are in your DNA, where you have come from, um, that plays a major factor in a lot of things like how you perceive things and how you were brought up, right? It doesn't have anything to do with, you know, race. Race just shows people diversity. Uh, the only reason we have that, you know, people, you know, oh, that means you're from Africa or what? You know, there's people that are born in South Africa that are they're Celts, right? Because there's white people that live down there and they don't have any African blood in them. It doesn't mean anything. Your race just tells where you came from, but it's usually a part of your building blocks to get to where you are. But the only reason we have all these races is because if we didn't, we only had one race, we'd all look the same. Think about that. If we only had one race, we'd all look exactly the same and it would be boring. I'd be marrying myself, right? I mean, that would, that would be truthfully what happens if you have too many people in an area that breed too close together, everybody starts looking the same until you introduce new blood. Right. So that just happens. So we have to have diversity. So we have different colors. I think it's hot, sexy as hell. I like the diversity of, of looking at women from around the world that have different colors, different shapes, different sizes. Right. Everything about and then you start mixing and blending those together. You start making all brand new stuff. That is the entire if you look at just that. And this is what people don't don't catch. It's esoteric. It's in everything. The fact that we have all these different races is exactly the same reason that we are having experiences. What are we here to do? We are here to have an individual experience, but also have an experience that, that is infinite, infinite experiences. The only way you can do that is you have to have different choices. So the fact that we have different races here and different blends and mixes of all those races, and you don't even know how they're going to come out. You can have, have five children with the same guy if you're a woman or the same woman if you're a guy, and all five of those children will either look the same or they'll look slightly different or they'll look come sometimes completely different. And nobody's cheated on anyone. It's just the random chance of the chromosomes that you're giving and you're donating, both of you, getting together and making a new version. And that version is going to be completely different from everyone else unless you have identical twins. And even identical twins, I'm a person that you can't fool me with identical twins. You dress them up the exact same way and you can parade them in front of me. But as soon as I start talking to them and get to know their individual way they move, the way they think, the way they sound, and the way they talk, you can't fool me. When most people look at things on a very, very physical uh, level that is very, very small, and therefore that they can be fooled by someone's twin and they joke and laugh and a lot of them have fun playing games on you, okay, because they can. That doesn't work on me. I, I catch it. If I if I see them when they're acting as themselves and I watch them both move and talk and think and walk when they try to fool me and be the other one, I'm not, it's not you. You're your sister. You're not her. 
stop playing like you are because I know how she moves and you don't move like that. I caught that on watching a television show and they were being very obvious about it, but most people didn't catch it. And, and they had a, a doppelganger step in for a character. And as soon as she moved, I'm like, that's not her. And she was dressed exactly like her. Her hair was the same length, the same color. Uh, and everybody was referring to her as that person. She took two steps and I said, that is not her. That is not her gait. It's not how that person, that actress plays that part. This is a different person. And, and they, I purposely had this person walk different, right? They didn't make that person say, now look, this is how that person walks, so you have to act just like her. They didn't do that. They did it completely opposite on purpose. That was the one thing that was not the same was the movement. And as soon as that person walked, I'm like, that is not, they're not showing this person's face. That's not that actress that plays this part. This is someone else pretending to be her. So either that's what they're intending uh, that's in the storyline or, or she couldn't be in this scene and they had to put in a, a stunt double, uh, right? And as it turned out, it was designed exactly like that. She was a doppelganger stepping in for her. Uh, but I caught it the second she moved, right? But I see that stuff. So all of that stuff is in everything. It's everything, everywhere. So races have to be. Different colors, different sizes, different shapes have to be. It's the way it works. It's the way the universe is set up. Okay? So to look at somebody who is a different color, I have people claiming that I'm racist. I'm like, really? Have you seen my family? I'm the most white person in my family. And I have polka dots. I have every race on my skin from every single race on the planet. I have that color on my skin. How can I be prejudiced against someone for the color of their skin when I have that exact spot, millions of that exact same shade on me? How can I look at somebody of any other race, period, and say, I don't like those people because of their skin? I have that exact same shade. And I have millions of those spots all over my body in that same shade, right? And, my, and, and like my family is, is native, <laughs> Mexican, African. I, you just got to meet my sisters and brothers and aunts and uncles and cousins. And right. I mean, I'm, I'm 5% uh, Native American. You can't tell that. But I am. I did the DNA test. Right. Everything else is European, Scandinavian, Viking, Celt. But there's that percentage. I have uh, uh, my grandmother's. So it's my aunt or great aunt. She looked native, very dark, very dark Native American. If you took a picture of a Native American in the 1800s and you took a picture of her in, you know, in the early 1900s or mid to late 1900s, mid, yeah, because uh, she was like, in, you know, born in like 1910 or, nine, or 2000 or maybe, nine, uh, you know, maybe 1880 or something, you look, she looked native. You wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't say no, she's not, but she was. Her sister had blonde hair, blue eyes, same parents. Okay, her sister was my grandmother, but her DNA was half native. But she just happened to get the gene that made her look a little more German. She had blonde hair, blue eyes, fair skin. Okay. So people look at me and go, oh, you're a white middle-aged guy. Look at that. You have gray hair and you're white. You're automatically racist. No, no. If anything, anyone who says that to me is the racist. That's the racist right there. When somebody looks at you and says, you're racist, aren't you? You have to be. You're white. That person is racist. That's your, there's your racism right there. This all has to be this way. Race means zero to me. 
Race to me is just a different vibration and it's there because we have to have choices. It's no difference than McDonald's hamburger as opposed to Big Mac or, you know, Big Mac as, as the Whopper. They're different, but the same, right? They are the same. They are the same meat. They are the same uh, cheese. They are the same mayonnaise. They are the same ketchup. They are the same. They literally are the same burger. If you look at it, they all have the same stuff on it, except for the Big Mac has Thousand Island dressing. Oh, special sauce. Right? And the Whopper doesn't. Actually, the Whopper does these days. <laughs> right? So it's the same thing, just one's cooked different than the other because that has a different flavor. I prefer the flame uh, uh, grilled of either, you know, Burger King or the, or uh, um, what is it, Hardee's or um, uh, what's the other one, what they call it, Carl's Jr. Yeah, same company, Carl's Jr. and Hardy. Um, because they flame broil their, their uh, hamburgers, so it has that flame broil flavor to it, okay? But they're the same. You know, you look at you know, people talk about Star Trek and Star Wars. They're the same. They're different because they're different stories of a different time and place. Star Trek is supposed to be here on Earth in the future. Star Wars is a is somewhere that happened a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Okay, with other humans. Battlestar Galactica was supposed to be our ancestors in a galaxy far, far away, trying to find us here in the 13th colony on Earth. Which there's that number 12 in the whole 12 to 13, which is 3, 6, and 9 again. 3, 6, 9, 12. All of that. If you watch the Battlestar Galactica, it's esoteric. The whole thing's worked into that, right? And originally in the original show, they made all of their stuff very Egyptian-like. And then when they came to Earth, they found out why. Okay, so again, with the Egyptian stuff. All of that is necessary, people. It's nothing to be looked at in a, in a bad light. Race is there because it's beautiful. It's diverse, and it gives us choices, not... Be it's there because one race is superior to the other. That's arrogant, egotistical uh, uh, mindset of low ego vibration, rich elite people setting up that caste system of who's in charge. Do you understand? That's people's arrogant ego. So I am not that. I'm not that person. I'm not those men. Ever was. Never was. I couldn't afford to be. My family is blended. How can, how can you have a blended family and be prejudiced? Come on, man. That's someone who doesn't know me. If someone says I'm prejudiced or someone says that I'm a racist, it's because they don't know me. And they're just blanket throwing stuff out there. It's the same thing to my, my brother. He looks white and people say, you're a racist. He's like, if you met my family, if you met my family, I have two half black children. <laughs> right? My buddy Paul, they said he was a racist. He's like, if you met my wife and my kid, they're black. <laughs> I'm a racist to get a black wife and a mulatto kid. Half brain. What are you talking about? I'm racist. You're the racist. But when you're white these days. All right. Okay, guys. Have a great night. Thank you for being here. Namaste. We'll be back next Friday. Um, check out my site. Uh, you know, check out the, the page. And, and I have the memes up there. So it's not on the events calendar yet. I'm going to put it up on the events calendar so you can just click on it. Because what I'll do is I'll go live there. Uh, you can just click on the events calendar. And once I get that up, I just got uh, you know the schedule hammered out and memes out yesterday showing the, the lineup. I just got the lineup uh, done yesterday. Uh, so we're, we, And I don't have the list of what everybody's going to do yet. I just know the theme, which I set up. So I don't know what. Uh, you know, if they're going to call their stuff something and then once I get that ideology, I'll put that out on a meme as well and we'll float that. 
So uh, otherwise, I'll see you guys next Friday for the Law of One, and we'll continue doing this. Like I said, the first part, I try to do the meat of it as Law of One. Everything that I've said since then that doesn't sound like the Law of One, if you go back and actually listen to what the Law of One was talking about, and this is why I keep trying to show you how it circles back, you know, um, because people ask this question because before we used to say, politics, 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 now go meditate, or aliens, 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 now go meditate. Whoa, what does that have to do with all of that? It's, it's all the same. All of it is the same. And it has something to do with everything because of the geopolitical um, um, ideology that's happening on this planet is the reason that this planet is in trouble, is the reason that this planet is stuck, is the reason that there are wanderers here, right? That has to do with the politics of what's happening right now. What you see playing out on television is war between people like me and the old guard, the people that were the, the politicians that think they own this place, the rich and the elite. Okay, so all of that plays into the law of one and what's happening. The law of one was here to prevent and tell you this is what happened. The rich and elite hijacked the matrix, and you don't remember it because it was, that memory was taken from you when you're born. So they make sure your life expectancy is very short so that you don't get wise enough to break their conditioning, and they try to do everything they can do to distract you with every distraction that there is out there to keep you from being spiritual. That's all they have to do. The churches tell you, you can't use ESP, you can't have any abilities, and you can't make think for yourself, and you can't read the Bible and get your own opinions of it. You have to only come and let us tell you what it means. They do that because they don't want you interpreting it for yourself. Well, we do that because people will interpret it wrongly and get the wrong idea, and then they'll start, how will be a bigger problem? No, it won't, because they'll figure it out eventually on their own. Okay? That's, that's, that's saying the people that are, that are in service to others and people that are in a conservative mindset believe that people can make the right decisions on their own. There are some things that you want to tell people so they don't hurt themselves, but the most part, people can govern themselves. And then you have people who don't think people can govern themselves. Those people are people who are usually narcissists and they want power and control over everyone. Why? Because they believe they, are the only ones who can tell you what you should be doing. Okay. So that, that is a, that is a political ideology. It's not just a, a way of life. So, so how does politics play into that? 100%. How does, you know, how does every, everything plays into everything. There is nothing separate in this universe. Nothing. I don't, I don't deal with politics. So I don't even pay attention to it. Well, it pays attention to you and it makes a difference in your life. I don't pay attention to to religions, you should. They're paying attention to you and making a difference in your life. I don't pay attention to sports. You should. Sports is paying attention to you and making a difference in your life. No, they're not. How is that happening? When you watch television and you watch commercials, what, what are you buying? You're buying products that the television is telling you to buy. Most of them are paid for by someone who owns a sport company or a sports show or a sports uh, um, a bar or a place where you sell, they sell sporting goods, right? Almost everything's owned by the same people. Okay. All of that is a distraction. They want you distracted in some way. And they try to sell it to you by telling you that it makes you healthier. If you exercise all the time, don't go to church, exercise, exercise makes you healthy. Exercise, 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 right? Watch sports, man. Get involved in sports, man. Get involved in the community, man. There is something out there to distract you away from your personal spirituality, no matter what your personality is. And if you fight that, then the, the pushback is you get the opposition pushing back and trying to make your life a living hell. In some way, 
to force you. And then everybody goes, man, every time I take a step forward, it's two steps back. Well, that's because the opposition is pushing you back on purpose. That's part of what your ego does. It pushes you back and keeps you down on purpose. You have to be able to rise above that. It's very hard, right? That's living the law of one. I'm going to be talking more about this on the 22nd, right? That's that's the, the hard part is to be diligent enough to see what's happening. Once you start questioning, once you start it, once you start questioning, that's when you start breaking your conditioning. And the more you question everything, even what I say, Right. I always tell people this because people go, well, how do I know what you're saying is actually the truth? Don't believe a word that I have said. Don't believe any of it. Look it up for yourself and see what you think. Because what will happen is you once you start going down those rabbit holes, you're going to start learning the same knowledge that I have. And then everyone else who's done that has done. I've done shows on that. And we're going to do a show on that again. Showing how people from different places on the planet, never meeting each other, different cultures, know the same knowledge. How could that happen? Because we're all insane and crazy, and that's the craziness that we all get out of the universe? No. No, it's because there's a certain knowledge that you gain when you gain wisdom, when you're spiritual and you work your life that way. Not just being spiritual. You can even not be spiritual, but just be a good person. And, and you, you get the, the right answers. Or if you're an evil person, you get those answers that are right to you because you're evil. It won't be the same as, as the knowledge that you gain on this side. There are two differences. The evil people do evil things and they're narcissistic and they're in service to self. So you're going to get all that on your side. You're going to learn how to be devious. You're going to learn how to be more devious, how to act well, how to say the right things, how to push the right buttons to get people to do what you want and how to hold them hostage in certain ways to keep them coming back and dependent on you because that's what your whole entire life is going to be about. And then if you're in service to others, you're going to have a completely different skill set that you're going to learn, but you will learn the same, same thing that I do and that anyone else does, people that are above me on in vibration, the people that are below me, all go through the same process and learn the same knowledge. And eventually we are able to tap into the Akashic records, which is the entire record of the matrix, which has the answers to everything. But there's two of them, of course, because there's one for those in service to others, and there's the other one for those in service to self. Do you understand? Even if you don't, question it. Go back and say, that guy, Leo, is wrong, and I'm going to look down that rabbit hole, and I'm going to find a hole in his stuff. Do it. I've been on the air for five years. I'm on my fourth season of this Orion Rising show, but I did a year a year and a half uh, uh, before that under, working for other people. And I say this to every single person. If you can find a spot where you can verify and prove that what I've said is wrong, Tell me about it. Come on my show and I'll let you put me on. I'll put you on the air and let you talk about it. But I won't let you come on and do political talking points that you see on the news and false accusations without having cross-examination or any of that. Or, or And don't use a fact-check website because of a fact-check websites, there's not one out there, period, end of story, period, that is not a propaganda machine for either the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, period. Whenever, whenever they say they're an exact, you know, a fact check site and they're perfectly down the center and they call it as it is. Give me a half an hour and I'll prove to you that they don't. Sometimes less. Okay. Because they don't. They're not true. There isn't one. If you're making money and you're successful as a, as a, a fact checker, it's because somebody's paying you money. 
And if you're getting paid money from sponsors, you're using their agenda. Okay. Unless it's somebody who's independent like me. And anyone who's independent like me is not going to go, that guy's an idiot. Let me tell you why. Because most of the time when those people do that, they lie about something. And I, and I catch them when they do that. Right? And I, there was a guy who was, oh, ancient aliens, oh, debunk ancient aliens. He had an hour and a half show. And I debunked his debunking of ancient aliens in less than 10 minutes because he lied. He lied. He had to lie. And he cut out part of the actual video to do it. He took out a part of the uh, video and said, look right here, here's the video. And I went and looked at the actual video that was aired and this, and he took out a scene that disproved what he was claiming. That's the kind of, of crap that people have to do to say that I'm wrong. Because if you go and look down the rabbit hole, read the law of one. If you understand it, like I do, or find someone else who does and they're translating it. There's a few of us out there. I've, but when I first started doing this, about uh, six months or a year in, there was two or three other people. And they did. I guess they found out I was doing it and had already been doing it for so long. I haven't heard from them anymore. I was hoping that they were going to continue doing that. I wanted to hear what they had to say to see if I missed something. I don't catch everything. I go back and read stuff and catch it brand new. I did that just back in the night in, in like 94 or 92 uh, session where I don't remember that part. So going through it again and again and again, it's esoteric. I was in a different place when I read it back, you know, two years ago than, or three years ago than I am now. So I didn't catch something that I caught this time through. So I'm not perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect and my version is 100% the right way, the right answers. There's probably shit that I'm missing that I'm, I'm not seeing that's esoteric. It's deeper than the stuff that I ring out. And I admit that, though. Do you see? I admit that. It's in everything, and you learn stuff. I just talked about that with Rodney when we are talking about the Necronomicon. Both of us said we hadn't read it for a long time. I'm not going to go back and read it because there's stuff I missed. I know that. I sense it now from just from my memory of it. All right, guys. Namaste. Have a great day. Thank you for being here. Like I said, I love you guys. I love you all. Um, right? Wait, one, one real quick. Tony says makes, makes rabbit holes so much deeper <laughs> than they need to be when it gets to the point of having to debunk and debunk a debunking of a debunking of a subject, right? Exactly, bro. And that's the truth of it, right? Uh, but it is kind of that way too. It's almost comical that they were talking about that NASCAR where it, it was kind of like that. You're driving along and you're trying to second guess what you should be doing. And so you're looking in the mirror. You're trying to second guess the guy behind you who's trying to second guess you while you're trying to second guess the guy in front of you who's trying to second guess you. Right? <laughs> so it's kind of like that with the debunking, right? The debunking of a debunking of a debunking, right? So, Yeah. Uh, it makes it a really deep rabbit hole, right? You can get yourself crazy, and that's there. You'll put up your screen and share your screen and watch it go bloop, 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 to infinity. That's what kind of happens right there. And that, and if you do that, go down that rabbit hole like that. All right, guys. Namaste. I'll see you next week. I love you guys all. Share this out. Share this out. Share this out. Share it with your friends. If you have a friend, a family member, you know, go to my site, my place wherever you found me. Click on it. Follow me. That you know, click on the little bell, and, and that way you get the notification. Check my you know, if you're at a Facebook, check the, the events calendar. If you go on that and click on something, it'll give you a reminder, uh, so you'll know when I go live and um, watch my stuff. Namaste, Tony. Namaste to everybody that's out there. I'll see you guys next week.